Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Knights of the Dawn podcast. I'm Jessica. I'm Megan. We are so sorry this one's taking so long. However, we had a lot of difficulties scheduling, and also we just really wanted to do this end of the book justice. And so we wanted to put as much time and effort as we could into this. So that is why you're going to hear some changes in the audio quality, some, yeah, some stuff like that. We're also... Just bear with us. Yes. And also because we accumulated so much time, we're actually going to split this episode and put a lot of the extra discussion into a special episode. A bonus episode. A bonus episode, yes. And just to wrap up all of our thoughts because we had so much to talk about, we don't want to make you guys have to like download like a four hour episode yeah. or something. Also, we got into a big more spoilery discussion yes. partway through last time. And so we're going to cut that out and put it in the bonus episode as well. So Yeah. So if the editing is less than desirable, please forgive us. I'm sorry. <laughs> and enjoy the bonus episode as well. So yeah. yeah. And we are here to discuss the ending of Fablehaven Book 3, Grip of the Shadow Plague. And I gotta say, this is gonna be a fun one. <laughs> good. Yeah, we're talking about chapters 19 through 24, so we're finishing off the book. Yep. And just, just saying, uh, chapter 19 is called Duel, just just to clarify. So, yeah. um, uh, what? how shall we start? Maybe with um, our world's greatest adventurer? <laughs> when jumping's the sole option, you jump. And they have jumped that, right into the adventure. Yes. That really is like Patton's catchphrase at this point. It really is. Other yeah. than I am the world's greatest adventurer. <laughs> but this one's a little bit less self-serving. And I, dra- and I slay dragons. <laughs> Multiple. You said small slayings. slayings. <laughs> and he's like, we're getting off subject. No, I think this is a great subject. I want to hear more. I think Seth wants to hear about only thing I want to hear about for being that honest. This is going to be a long episode, guys. Yeah. We, we have thoughts. Buckle up. I mean, anything with Pat and Burgess, there's a lot to discuss, so. No, let's, no, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, but him and Lena, I, I, they're just the cutest. They are so cute. I know I'm jumping ahead. We're not there yet, but yeah. I, I know we're jumping ahead, but hopefully you've already read this part of the book, well, at least I if mean, you're, if you're listening to this. Spoilers. Well, we they're so cute that they're married, so. They are so here, cute. And she's in the pond, so obviously that's going to happen. Okay, so duel between Seth, because of his big mouth, and Broadhoof. It's so. like, I feel like there is so much character built. Like, Patton's character is established so quickly and so efficiently oh, yeah. in, like, two chapters true yeah and it's because it's cool because we've been hearing about pat and burgess Mm -hmm. since book one like just a couple chapters into book one lena told the story of like how they fell in love Uh and then you know book two they talk about i think they mention him again and then here in book three it was like lost mesa he's been like there underneath everything yeah and that he took the chronometer from Las Mesa and brought to Fable Haven. He slew the dragon at Las Mesa. Like he's just like everywhere. Like he just kind of they've been pops reading up. his journals. Yeah, like, she's been reading the information yeah. about Ephira and Kurisok and Marshall Burgess has been exactly. included exactly. in these little things. And so it's so rewarding that we finally get to meet him in the flesh, and <laughs> he becomes just like the best character in like the span of like a page. <laughs> yeah, really, it does. Like and like in that like the last chapter we had already established him as just like. He rolls with the punches. He is very adaptable, and he when when he needs to jump, he jumps. Mm-hmm. This chapter explains why he hasn't been killed doing that, <laughs> or that he's really lucky too. <laughs> no, it just shows that he's super skilled. Oh yeah, 
like so in this chapter like pat and, and seth get back and, and sadly have to relate the relate relay the news that the everybody else is gone. gone yeah but we have Patton and the artifact so win-win I know. <laughs> Kendra's just distraught. Also, I fine. just, I f- sometimes I forget that, like, Doran is, like, a magical creature and has lived a long time. And so yeah. he would actually yeah, be like, he actually, they all know Patton. They all know him because yeah. they're all old. Immortal? Immor- yeah. I actually don't know how old they are. Like, how long have they all, oh, like, the centaurs and the satyrs? I don't yeah. know. How does that process work? Like, how like how does population like fluctuate like do you only have like are only a certain number of satyrs mm-hmm. born uh, over i don't know a few years like to, in order to compensate for the fact that they do not like they do not die mm-hmm. after like a century like yeah. humans like they know. have at least a two three hundred year lifespan if they're at the same age yeah Patton uh, lived in like the 1800s yeah so. like and that is a long time. It's a long time. And Doran and Newell are established though. as like not old. Like they're not True. decrepit. They are youthful. What is what is the typical lifespan of a centaur and a satyr and all of them? Because the centaurs are also like, oh, Patton, like they respect him. Uh-huh. He's probably the only human that they've ever respected, <laughs> honestly. So Patton hears that Seth has to duel a centaur. Yeah. He says Oh, he, he probably straight up thinks this is exactly like something I would do when I was his age. Exactly. Yeah, he's probably like, oh, this kid probably inherited too much from me. <laughs> <laughs> that Burgess, that Burgess. He's a little too like me, but I like him because he <laughs> is like me. <laughs> Double-edged sword. But he also, that also means that he can teach him how to be better. And yeah. I really, I really do like that. Like, during this, like, so... Patton t- goes up and talks to Broadhoof and straight up, like, just insults him more than Seth mm-hmm. did. And he's like, ha, now you have to duel me instead of the kid. Done? Okay. And then we're all even. He's and like, then we're all even. I will, I will fight you on Seth's behalf and because I insulted you too. And so I just love, and then, like, at the very end, like, after, obviously, Patton wins. Otherwise, he'd be dead. But yeah, yeah. it's an awesome duel where, like, Patton's just showing his skill off effortlessly like he's mm-hmm. dueling like a matador just like punching a centaur which which is like crazy it is a like he is punching the flank of a centaur which is which is a full horse if not bigger than like a standard size like stallion and he is just punching it and practically sends broadhoof to the ground with one punch yeah i've read that and i was like is he like hulk or something or what's Patton is just like I think it's also technique. Like, Probably. he puts Patton into, like, he puts Broadhoof into a, like, a wrestling hold and, like, True. breaks. And I imagine, like, Broadhoof is really strong, but it's just, like, he has the leverage. It's like it's like Black Widow. She may not be the strongest, but she has the technique and True. the skills to make it a level playing field if yeah. she's, like, dueling against, say, Captain America, who is abnormally strong. Mm-hmm. That's fair. He's also very, so now- also very nimble. Like, Black- okay, Patton is now Black Widow. <laughs> I'm just saying it works. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, but like afterwards, after Patton humiliates really mm-hmm. Broadhoof, um, he I'm goes up to Seth him. and he's like, "Take this as a lesson. Next time, I might not be here. You gotta watch what you say. But also, way to go! I wish I'd seen you insult him." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I've got a proud of you, but don't do it again." <laughs> so he's like, "I'm getting some mixed messages here." So yeah, I, I, I just love that. Like, just, like, Patton being like, I didn't want to do this, 
but I did it. I looked good while doing it, but don't do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something else I love in this part is that, like, when Patton shows up, we see the respect that all of the creatures yeah. have for him. Everybody like, is just, he like... He tells the satyrs to clear the field, and the satyrs do it. They, like, clear the tents and everything. They wouldn't even do that duel. for Seth. No. They, listen, they love Seth. They listen to Patton, and they respect him. Mm-hmm. And they also wanted him to, you know, fight a centaur and win, so... <laughs> but even after the far- fight, they put it back yeah, up. they put it all back up, and he's like, put it exactly how it is, and then they do it. Which just shows you that the satyrs seriously respect Patton. Without complaint? Yeah. Without question, they're without like, excuses. we get this done. Yeah. Which is pretty remarkable. Uh-huh. Seth couldn't do it. Grandpa couldn't do that. Like, of course, I do think it has something to do with. Um, <laughs> uh, hang on, I'm trying to find. It's like right after the. Um, oh, here it is. Kendra says, "I had not fully real appreciated how much the satyrs disliked the centaurs until I witnessed the exultant tears they shed <laughs> as they embraced one another." That's true. They are like rivals. <laughs> they were like, they were so excited to see a centaur get humbled by Patton Burgess that yeah. they're just like, we will do anything for this to happen. So true. I think that's also part of it. Yeah. I also love the mental picture of um, at one point when they're clearing the field, Kendra noticed one satyr toting a reluctant dwarf under one arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they are like, here for move. this. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So then after the duel, Patton's like, I think I'm going to go say hello to my wife. Time to go say hello to the missus. <clears throat> is, I think, the direct quote, yeah. and I love it. <sighs> can we, wait, before we talk about that, can we talk about how, like, Patton's demeanors, both before and after the duel? Like, before, he's like, yeah, I can, I can always use an extra feather in my cap. Like, I can, I've never duel a centaur before. It could be mm-hmm. fun. Or, like, uh, when Brathoff says... um, he no weapons. Um, he's like he knows how much I love swords. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> but then after the fact, like he is, like regretful. He's like I didn't want to have to do that, like because mm. he wasn't gonna kill Broadhoof. Yeah, and he just wanted to make him yield, but Broadhoof was refusing to yield, and so Patton just had to keep upping the intensity, upping the pain. Mm-hmm. He had to break a couple fingers. And Godling was finally like Broadhoof. You have you to have yield. to yield if you will if he refuses to kill you. And I just love seeing, like, Patton, like, he got a little misty-eyed. Like, why did you make me do that? I didn't mm. want to hurt you. I just needed you to understand. I just needed you to stop coming after my great-great-grandnephew or something. I don't yeah. know what this Whatever. is. He's cool. <laughs> the relationship pending when I figured that out. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. No, but, um, like, I just love that, like, the contrast. Like, before he's cocky, he's, like, yeah. kind of psyching himself up. But afterward, he's like, I didn't want to do that. And I just love that because, like, he knew he could, like, mm-hmm. do it. Like, he knew what he, he was He took no joy. Of. He took no joy in but, it. But, yeah, he wasn't – he doesn't do stuff like that lightly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I do like that part of, like, seeing that part of him and his character. It does a great job of, again, giving us his character. Like, he is not just this cocky, arrogant, admittedly very talented showboat. Mm-hmm. He honestly is, like, a – he's just a really good person. He has morals. Like mm-hmm. – and he sticks to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is honestly a good reason that we don't have him the entire series. Because he is such an amazing character, not just like in like the fact that we love him, but in the fact that like he has great morals, he's very skilled, and he is just he he has like a, a very good balance inside like of a character. There's nowhere really for this character to go, so it's really fun to have him in a, f- a few times, like yeah. when time travel is involved. <laughs> 
but well, you can't make him like a permanent member of the group because he just has no flaws. There's nowhere for his yeah. character to go, and it's gonna but get stale. I think that's why it would be interesting to have a like prequel series of Fable Haven with Patton Burgess. See, because I get to feel that like. Point. With him, because it does seem like Patton, like, can't do no wrong. Like, he just does everything so well, and, like, that's why he survives all his adventures and is so famous. But I feel like it'd be really interesting to, like, have a book where he, like, fails. Mm. And he, like, like something goes horribly wrong. Yes. And then he has to, like, yes. learn, and then he grows from that. Give it to me, please. Give I know. Me. That's what I'm thinking. I think that would be a really great way to, like, develop his character more. Yeah. I don't know what that would be, but it would be interesting. I mean, come on. We're, like, we're, we're talking to this guy, and it's revealed he's right around 35 years old. He has killed multiple dragons already. That's true. Because he doesn't say Multiple. That, like, he, that's true. Because he doesn't say, oh, that must be something that happens in the future. He already did it because he knows yeah. he did it. Well, maybe not the multiple. He has killed at least one dragon. No, but no, but then if he hadn't killed multiple, he would have said, "Oh, oh I, I get to kill another one." Kill yeah. another one? No, he would have said that. You right? That means he already did it in his timeline. Uh huh. That's a good point. <laughs> like, so he's thirty-five. He is the caretaker already, of Fablehaven. Killed two dragons. At least two dragons. Stolen a dragon egg from a sanctuary. Conquered. That was another thing I want to talk about, but we can come back to that. Yeah. Conquered an entire whatchamacallit like gone to another secret preserve and yeah he, that means yeah he already went dismantled, to Las Mesa. like he and fixed went through all the traps easily found a chronometer brought mm-hmm. it back saved Fablehaven multiple times like by not letting Ephira destroy the entire preserve and rescuing the key pages of the treaty become very struck this man is accomplished he's done a lot in 35 years he does more and he does more in like the last like he was still telling Lena secrets in the si- in his sixties. Yeah, this man, crazy. Also makes me wonder how long he was caretaker. Another thing we need to figure out. Yeah. Also, I love that this is just all Patton. This yeah. is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know that episode where we had uh, we love Warren. Yeah. And this is why. We love Patton, and this is why. Yeah. That is this episode. There's just something about the Burgesses. Burgess boys. Love Pat and Warren. We love Dale. My, love my, my, I will say my like of Dale has gone up since doing this. <laughs> Ever since you tackled that satyr. That- <laughs> True. Ever since you bodied that satyr. I'm like, okay, Dale. Okay. Okay, Dale. You don't do anything in the next book, really, but, you know, next couple books. But Fablehaven would be probably gone without you because you keep doing stuff. Anyway, we already talked about this a lot. <laughs> Because at the very least, you kept Warren alive for his childhood. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he definitely stopped Warren from actually killing himself. (laughs) They are Kendra and Seth. Exactly. It's it's a relationship. Anyways, okay, so... um, It's kind of funny that on both sides of the family, the men are like Seth. (laughs) Or Seth (laughs) is like them. Like... (laughs) Yeah. That is funny. All right. Okay, so now we're going to talk about... Love. Pat. <laughs> yeah, it was like Pat and Lena. Love. Love and deception because she tricks the Nyads. Oh my gosh, what a queen! It <laughs> was awesome. So yeah, they go up and I love how the Nyads react. And oh my like, gosh. <laughs> they're like, freak. Like, I, I thought, he was, I thought, I he was thought we got rid of him. Like I thought he was dead. No, they, straight, they straight up say the devil himself. I'm like, okay. I know. It's so funny. Here, let me pull that up. Like, I just, oh yeah, okay. 
I love how nervous he is, though, going up to there. He's like, uh-huh. I wish I had my violin. I know exactly the tune I would use. Like, uh-huh. like before this, I had time and resources, but, like, come on. Like, I've got says, nothing to work with. Pat and Sean along the pier. I'm looking for Lena Burgess, he called. My wife. <laughs> Numerous overlapping voices responded. It couldn't be. He's dead. They were chanting his name earlier. Must be a trick. Sounds just like him. They remember. They remember what he sounds yeah, like. Yeah, well, they're probably like, oh, gosh. No, this is like a bad nightmare. Like, it's been 200 years and they still remember his voice. True. <laughs> of their nightmares. <laughs> Several heads surfaced as he reached the end of the pier. He's back. Oh, no. The devil himself. Don't let, Don't her, let see. her see. Oh. And I just love how much they fight. They're like, keep her away. And like, yeah. like, it's like the water becomes turbulent. Lena gets her head up for a second. Her eyes wide. And then is promptly dragged back under. And then, like, they like. And then she's she, like, get your hands off me or I'm leaving the pond this instant. Unhand me. Yeah. Or I'll leave the pond this instant. Because, yeah. like, they're still trying to fight her. You're like, crap, she saw him. What do we yeah, do? Yeah, she's, she's like, oh no, she's going to leave again. She's too wrinkly. But she's so good. But she's so good. And so, so it works. They're like, fine. They let her go. And she manages to, like, say a few words, like, how uh-huh. are you here? Yada, yada, yada. And just Lena says, I have no time for you, human. You are, I am released from the spell that you wrought upon me, and mm-hmm. I will, and I require an alone time. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. And then all the naiads are like, oh. Oh, ho. She's, she's not like gonna. She's not Twitter painted. over him, yeah. And then she goes and steals the bowl. And they're like, wait, 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 no, 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 she has the bowl. Grab her, stop her. And then she jumps out of the pond and right into Patton's arms. Just so dang cute. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I'm going to be gushing about their relationship for, like, the next three chapters. No, actually, not for the rest of the book. They're, yeah, well, they're I mean, just, we are doing the rest of the book They're today. just, they're just too, I'm just saying, like, it's it's going to be for the rest of the episode, guys. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just too cute. They're it's just so too cute. cute. Like, he just catches her, and they immediately start kissing, as you should. Because, I mean, for Patton, it's been, like, what, probably two a few hours since he's seen her. But he had the risk of, like, her not, like, recognizing him. So I can imagine, like, the relief that he has at this moment. And Mm -hmm. then for, but for Lena, it's been over a hundred years since she's seen him. I don't know about a hundred. Since Patton died? Yeah. Probably, like, 70 or 80 years. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, yeah. And she's had to go through, she had to, like, go through, like, a lot of mortality, like, without him. Mm-hmm. And she just thought of him every day, and then. So. This is just, like. And, I, like, I it's... think the part that encapsulates that so much is, like, I'm only, he says, I'm only here for three days. And she says, I would have left the pond for three minutes. Tilting his head down, Patton rubbed his nose against hers. I think they need some alone time. That was so f- I was going to say that. That was, like, one of my favorite Seth quotes. <laughs> Seth, I think they need some alone time, Seth said disgustingly, tugging on Kendra. <laughs> and they're like, wait, wait, no, no, we can talk no, right no, now. No, 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 we got to strategize. They're like, okay, sorry. But don't come in our tent tonight. EDA. Gosh. Maybe that's how they have a child. <laughs> Except they can't. <laughs> I made you laugh and then, and then cry. <laughs> I'm still smiling, but I'm hurting. <laughs> I have so many mixed feelings. The thing is that because... Boring emotions. Anyway, 
I'll save this later. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ah. But also, how sm- how short is Lena? Apparently short. Right? Seth Apparently is- really short. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth like, is like twelve. Twelve. He yeah. shouldn't be that tall. No. Like he, he shouldn't be- hit puberty that much yet. I mean, maybe a little bit. Five three. Like. Teenage boys usually hit puberty at, like, 14, 15, 16. Yeah. But, I mean, like, some people hit puberty different. Like, I grew yeah. constantly. I didn't have, like, a solid growth spurt okay. once I hit 12. Let's take your brother. When did your brother start getting tall? <sighs> He's always been tall. Okay. That's your How- family. Maybe your family. I'm sorry. Example. Your family's all tall. He was probably no taller than five, th- six. I need to, like, we have, like, a. No, he couldn't have been taller than 5'3". Because I think he's been growing pretty consistently I four inches. I feel like inches. for a 12-year-old, around 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five is pretty fair. But he is... If they're, like, tall. And even then, Seth is half a head taller than, than yeah, Lena. Yeah, Lena's tiny. Lena's probably, like, five foot max. Yeah, she's small. She is minuscule. She's also, like, a naiad, so I feel like that kind of makes sense. But how big is... How tall is Patton? Like, is this probably one of those, like... Probably, like, six foot. Is this one of those, like basketball like pro basketball players with like a I've always, with like a tiny gymnast i feel like for the personality Patton can't be shorter than six foot <laughs> right <laughs> maybe he's like halt and people are like oh you should be seven foot tall and he's like no i'm, I'm only five, five three <laughs> rage's apprentice fans will understand that reference yeah if not go read them <laughs> those are great too yes um yeah, so, yeah, there's probably, like, a solid... Also, he catches her like nothing, which, I mean, he is strong, but I still. I mean, if he can punch a centaur, I think he True, I thought of that. a tiny naiad. Yeah. I just, I keep thinking about Such that image. Like, she just comes lunging out of the water, just, like, arms out to embrace him, and he just yeah. catches her. And then as they kiss, her, like, her naiadness falls naiad. away, and she's back into mortality. Oh. But, and she doesn't regret it, and I just like not for a second. She I sees him, it. and she's like, "I'm out." Yeah, I, I, you 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 hit the nail on the head with that line. Like, I would have left for three minutes. And you know what that I love about that is because she hated mortality so much after she he died, hated dying, but she was willing to go at, for it again. She didn't know mm-hmm. that her life was going to end in the next couple days. She could have lived for another, like, 100-plus years because she was young again. She was she'd reverted back. So, you know, she could have lived for another long time without him again. And she was willing to leave for just the short time that he was there. For just three minutes. That's true love. Amen. And they will continue proving so that cute. for the rest of this entire book. Oh, my gosh. My new life goal is to make it through my life without any children or my wife sacrificing themselves for me. Stop! <laughs> Well, sad. <laughs> My heart hurts. So then they go to the tent. I just love the, I, uh, I just love their relationship though. Like yeah. as they're just like walking, Lena's like, "Wow, like you look so young. You couldn't be more than what thirty six And Patton's like, "That's not far off." And then immediately Lena's like, "Wait a second, fold your arms." Early in our marriage, you came back in time to see me, and you didn't tell me. <laughs> like. And then immediately, he's like, evidently not. You and your secrets. Immediately puts her hand back in his and they yeah, keep walking. She's, 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 like, she's so used to it at this point. Yeah. That's something that I love is that, like, it's so interesting because, like, they're the same people, but not from the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I just, like, so amazing about their relationship and their love is that 
they still feel the same about each other the entire time. Because, mm-hmm. like, he's earlier in their marriage, and it's still kind of, like... It's a little not, rockier not place. This, yeah, it's rocky. Like, he's been to the honeymoon, but it's a little rocky. And then she's seen, like, the whole thing. And then they do talk about that, how, like, she's like, oh, we have, like, a beautiful marriage. And it's, like, so cute mm-hmm. how they just, like... They it's fall just, right back into it. It's amazing, yeah. And I find it very interesting as well. Like, it really proves just, like, like even in this time when, like, they were having, like, some problems. Like, they were having arguments, spats. Like, the first five years of their marriage were, mm-hmm. were difficult. And that's yeah. about the time we have right here. Yeah. Like, Patton, deep down, always loved her. Even during that, like, yeah. that rocky point. Like, maybe, like, I imagine, like, Lena having given up so much, she would probably be the one there's a word i'm looking for exacerbating maybe like 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 she probably had this picture in her head of how their life was going to be like yeah. and if when it didn't match like she would feel like maybe like she made a mistake she made a mistake yeah. leaving the pond and so that would just be constantly and like 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 clearly Patton was always infatuated with her whereas mm-hmm. it took him falling into the pond and nearly drowning for her to act on her devotion to him yeah so like I just love it showing, like, Patton, no matter what, thick or thin, sickness and health, life or death, always loved Lena. And then Lena proves herself by leaving the pond again for him. Immediately. So maybe it took her a little bit longer, but she still loved him. And that's fair because she was Just as much. She wasn't like a human, you mm-hmm. know? Like, this was her first time in mortality. Yes. And I'm, I'm, not, a, so, I'm not placing yeah, the blame I, on I, Lena I, at all. Yeah, you're good. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that in this time, when even mm-hmm. when they're having difficulties, even when their life isn't perfect as he'd hoped, probably deep down, it, that doesn't matter because he loves her mm-hmm. more than anything. And I also love that he's like so excited to see her, like her again, even though like he knows it's not like the exact same Lena is like a little nervous. Just left, but he's like, but also like at the beginning, he's like he thinks that she's dead. Because mm-hmm. he's at first like has Lena passed and and then kind of the little nerd. Like, I remember actually, that. she's a naiad again, and he's like, "What?" But that makes it so that we can have one of the best battle couples ever. Just the cutest reunion, and yes, they are like the best couple for mm-hmm. sure in these books. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I just love like at this point, like Patton's like trying to like kind of tell Lena like where he like what time he's from. He's uh-huh. like, we just had like, and I I hear him talking about this. Um, we had just had a fight about the drapes in our bedroom. Remember, it started about the drapes, ended up being about how I wasn't living up to my promises. Mm-hmm. Just the way he says that, I can see that weighing so heavily on this mind. Because oh, yeah. he says it a second like second later, at this point, we haven't made up from it yet. Like, for him, that is, like, the biggest thing in his life right now. And it's, it's like, weighing on him so badly. Like, like you could tell like, he's feeling like, oh, my gosh, maybe I made a mistake, especially uh-huh. from what we learned later about what happened with his uncle and the Hamadryad yeah. of Ephira, where Ephira, she yeah. felt the same way and went full Revenge of the Sith. And then, <laughs> but immediately after that, Lena says, I remember that spat. To mm-hmm. her, it was no, it, like, it is a dot like for like, I just love it. Puts it in perspective. For yeah. Patton, this is a huge fight. That's true. He's probably like worried about the relationship because like it's pr- it's probably been several days and they still haven't made up. And he's also probably worried about Lena and worried about her regretting her decision. Exactly. And now and, and immediately after that, she's like, "Oh, I remember that spat." And then she's like, "In fact, I think that might be the last one we ever we ever had." Not and then she's like. Take heart. Not long afterward, we hit our stride. We had a beautiful marriage, Patton. You made me feel like a queen. 
and reciprocating was effortless. Ah! That's Stop! so cute. And he's like, resist telling me too much. Like, he's like, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> I want to see it play out in my eyes, in front of my eyes. But also, like, I just love, like, seeing that little shift in perspective where, like, and, of course, we know at the end of this book, Lena, unfortunately, doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. And, like, we kind of see, like, and, like, Patton has this beautiful, like, paragraph where he's like, I will treat her mm-hmm. better than any queen, better than any empress could possibly yeah. imagine. And that's something so beautiful about this is that, like, he like he already, like, loved her. There was no doubt mm-hmm. about that. But because of this experience, he goes back to her and he has – it's almost – it's not – a second chance but it's almost like he has like he has so much pers- new perspective a new perspective and ability to like cherish her even mm-hmm. more than he maybe he would have done like if every, he hadn't gone like, into the future i feel like that one paragraph also put his like hit put him in perspective like oh that's just a little spat that's just a little thing mm-hmm. we can do this we have done it yeah i just need to like probably let things go let, trust. Let, yeah, yeah. trust in it trust yeah. her and just love love it so cute okay so next thing i think we should talk about is when lena talks about what she how she feels when she is in the in the pond because i think that's mm, really fascinating what yeah. she says when she's a naiad again mm-hmm. like because like kendra's like i can't believe you're here you came so eagerly like i i asked you to come like 20 times why did you come yeah. for me <laughs> And Ken and Lena is like, like, and I just, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I love, like, Lena's like, I, I, it was nice of you to come. And I remember when you were there and she says, my mind was cloudy. It functioned differently. I had lost much of who I became in mortality. Not enough to really fit in, like with the naiads, mm-hmm. but enough to stay put. Life in the pond is indescribably easy, virtually meaningless, but devoid of pain, almost devoid of thought. There were many things I did not miss about mortality. In a way, returning to the water was like dying. I no longer had to cope with living. Until I saw Patton, I wanted to stay dead. Dang. And then a second later, Patton asks, You feel lucid now? Like my old self, Lena said. Or I guess I should say like my young self. Ha ha ha. (laughs) With my present mind, with or without you, Patton, I would never choose the numbness of the pond. That spell grips me only when I'm in there. Tell me about the plague. Yeah. But, like, I just thought that, like, that one section was really, really interesting. It is. Because she has had a completely unique experience at this point. Having been immortal, succumbed, not succumbed, um, chosen mortality, returned to immortality, mm-hmm. and then chose again mortality. mortality. Yeah. That is, some, that is something completely unprecedented. Mm-hmm. It's very completely unique. I mm-hmm. bet there's probably no one else that has like done that. Uh-huh. I just really like 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 returning to the water was like dying and until I saw you I wanted to stay dead. Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting thing. And like it brings up interesting like topic of like is mortality is immortality really living? Mm-hmm. Or is it just like the state of mind that she's in? Because yeah, you she was living forever. She could have lived forever, but it wasn't really a life. And then mortality, you don't live forever, but you truly experience things. So it's, like, an interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a theme in, like, a lot of books with, like, immortality and stuff. That, like, the years pass by and, like, you do things, but it's not quite the same as mortality. 
Mortality, I think, is like it is a very important ingredient for growth and change. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like even like I'm like my first thought goes to the example of um, the Greek gods. In, especially was, in Percy Jackson. I was really thinking about Percy Jackson then. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We are going to talk a little bit. I'm, I'm talking about The Last Olympian and Percy Jackson right now. So if you have not read that, stop right now. And I'll probably bring up uh, Trials of Apollo right afterwards. Okay. Percy turns down immortality. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, he doesn't want to leave Annabeth. But second of all, like he doesn't see the it appeal. as being worth it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to be immortal. And I just love how the other gods can't... It's like yeah. the naiads. They cannot comprehend. Wait, there's something better? Yeah. And they're like, what could be better than living forever and mm-hmm. not dying? Yeah. And I, I I always find it interesting. I think it's like in Heroes of Olympus, like the audacity that Jackson had to turn it, turn us down, to turn down mm-hmm. our generous gift, yeah. to imply that somehow mortality is better uh-huh. than our lives. Like same thing here. Like... Like, the naiads are just furious with her because, like, they're making, like, she's making the, like, her making the same choice twice poses the question, wait, is there something, is there something better? better up there? Yeah, but I almost think they still don't have the capacity to even believe that. Mm-hmm. She only was able to, like, do that because of her connection with Patton. Mm-hmm. And that's how she was able to overcome the numbness, as uh-huh. she says. Yeah. What do you want to say about Trials of Apollo? So, basically, in Trials of Apollo, spoilers... Lester, Lester Papadopoulos. <laughs> I love him so much. Anyway. The third. Yes. <laughs> he, Apollo becomes mortal, which mm-hmm. is not the first time this has happened. Yeah. Like it was a common punishment. But this time, Apollo actually does. I, have you, you finished? Yeah, Apollo. I finished okay. it. Making sure. Like towards the end, like when he, I think at the end of the fourth book. You'll he, see my tear right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he, he summons... Artemis to help him at one point to defend um, Camp Jupiter. Oh, yeah. And um, I just love, like, at that moment, like, he summons his twin, and he actually, like, goes and hugs her. And I just remember thinking, like, she actually looks at him with, like, wide eyes and being like, you've changed. Mm -hmm. Because throughout all of, like, Percy Jackson, Apollo is, like, a little cocky, aloof, like, talking haikus all the time. So annoying. (laughs) But, like, he like in this experience with mortality where he was in danger of death when he was with other mortals walking around being one of them not knowing maybe like having this like seemingly insurmountable and impossible quest that would be that is the price of restoring his like that would be the process to restore his godhood Mm -hmm. he is changing so much he's becoming less arrogant becoming less cocky He's accepting his weaknesses and growing around them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing about immortality is that you do not have weaknesses. Yeah. And weaknesses are such a huge part of any growth that you that you just cannot grow without those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so I just really find it really interesting that like the way just the way Lena described it, like I, I, we couldn't fathom that there would be anything better than this because we were like. Like, what more could we want? Yeah. And it wasn't until Patton came and showed her all these things that she could be missing. Like, like life, like, it can be more than just a chamber at the bottom of a pond full of skeletons and trinkets. It can be magical. It can be full of joy and hope and love. But until you taste that, you don't really understand what you're missing. 
And I think that's really what makes the difference between mortality and immortality is like the experiences mm-hmm. and the relationships. Because kind of what you're saying with like Apollo and Artemis, yeah, they were siblings, but they didn't really act like it. Like they were never really like that. But then yeah. when he has to go through all this stuff, he's like, no, that's like my sister. And I actually care about people. And with Lena, she didn't, when she was a naiad, she doesn't care about anyone. She treats life like it's nothing because they like the naiads, they just drown anyone who comes it's funny. in the it's water. Yeah, they don't care about life. They don't value it at all. But then when she leaves the pond, <clears throat> she sees the value in life because for her, now life can end. So I think that's like the big difference. I was a... Uh... Just you know, YouTube surfing at one point, and I saw the, like the one of the scenes from Age of Ultron, like um, like it's like that last conversation between like the last Ultron and Vision. Oh yeah. And it's um like it's like like Voltron's like they're doomed. Speaking of humanity, and Vision's like yeah, but a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. Mm-hmm. That's such a good quote. <laughs> that that movie is so underrated. It's good. <laughs> okay. So after <laughs> this, okay. So after they talk about Lena's mortality and Which stuff. Was, again, such a fascinating Yeah, topic. very interesting. We get kind of philosophical in this. <laughs> um, we start talking about how, they start, they start talking about how Patton got the chronometer from Las Mesa and his uh, shenanigans there. <laughs> and I love how like Seth is over here like, so you did kill a dragon? Like, he's, like, he's, like, just wanting to, like, because, like, you could tell, like, just as, like, this book has progressed, like, Seth is just, like, getting, going just starry-eyed for Pan. Yeah. And, like, he's just, like, oh, my gosh, you're so cool. And he's, like, he's here. I can ask him all the questions. <laughs> that doesn't mean he's going to answer them, though, is what Seth finds out. Because Patton is, like, yeah, I killed the dragon, but I didn't, like, do it in the way you might think. Yeah. I used a poison, Dragon's Bane, which is the only thing that could, like, kill a dragon that they can't smell. Very creatively named. Yeah. (laughs) Dragon's Bane. The Bane of Dragons. I mean, to be fair, he said, like, finding the weed and formulating the poison was a quest all its own. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that that probably has some fun adventures there. I like how he's just, like, summarizing his, like, probably crazy, dangerous (laughs) exploits into, like... Yeah, it was, it was, that. that's another story for another time. <laughs> Lena was probably, like, worried, homesick. He comes home probably with, like, clawed, like, clothes and just, like, <laughs> smelling of smoke. Half his beard, like, half his mustache is missing and his hair is yeah. singed. He's like, I am home. The thing about Patton that I just, I was just thinking about this is that, you know, he probably does most of this on his own. Like, I'm sure he has his, like, associates or whatever that yeah. he, like, he, like, he has a guy for this and a guy for that, but, you know, like, his Dragon main guy, his, you know, I don't know. Anyway, but, like, he probably, like, does all this on his own, and that's, like, yeah. even more impressive. Yeah, honestly, like, he's, like, talking about this. Like, you know for sure he went through that, though, the, the, the vault at Las Mesa by himself. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. And he says, like, he yeah, talks like, about, like, the different... Like, briefly about, like, the different things he had to do at Las Mesa. Where is it? After disposing of Ranticus, I defeated the Guardians of the Artifact, a troop of ghostly knights, in a, yeah. in a battle I would rather forget. What happened? What does that mean, Patton? Huh? That sounds epic! A troop of ghostly knights. How do you defeat ghostly knights, huh? What did you, what did you use? Uh, ghostly lands? What was the... 
question, you know, because we were talking about in book two, we got really focused on the key yes. from the inverted tower. What was the key in Las Mesa? What do you think it would be? I feel like it would have to fit the theme of like indigenous Native American, like Las Mesa Is there a vibes. key though? I mean, there I probably like, had I feel like to the be. vault, the, 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 the Mesa itself was the key. Oh, but all the other places have keys. I don't Isn't think there a key? They, they, get, they get in somehow. Are you? How do they get in? No, yeah, there was a thing. It was like a little disc, and you, you, you oh. press the center of the disc, and the teeth came out, and you rotated it. So you must have oh, just, must have just that. snatched so that. So that in one the night. wasn't a weapon, I guess. <laughs> so we must have just snatched nah. that in the night and then brought it back. And I was after this I was hoping adventure and everybody's still asleep. I was hoping it'd be like a cool key, like in the yeah, Inverted Tower, a spear and a sword. <laughs> anyway, I think. It was especially important because, like, you have to make, like, especially in the inverted tower in book two, they had to make it beatable, but they didn't want to make it too easy. True. Because, like, it's one cat. It's a heck of a cat, <laughs> but it is just one cat. Is it one cat or is it nine cats? They only had three heads. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm going to excuse I'm trying to be contrary, okay? I'm just going to leave now. Okay. It was a joke. It was a joke. How did that go completely over my head? I know. I was like, it was how did I miss that joke? <laughs> you are running on two hours of sleep. That's how. I'm going to apologize for Jessica now <laughs> in case yeah. she, <laughs> she didn't really, get much sleep. A really good book came out yesterday, okay? And you could mention the name of the it book. It was Murtag. So if anybody has read Aragon. I was reading Murtag and it was amazing yeah. and I loved it, but I went to bed at five and then I had work at seven thirty. So hee hee, I'm crazy. Today. And that is Jessica's life. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, my older sister also got the book, but she got two books. But so she was reading another book over the like overnight as well. Oh my gosh! But she was like, "I'm not used to this." And I'm like, "Are you kidding? I'm a college student. This is light work." Yeah. <laughs> she's she's graduated everything Man. and already in her job, but it was just. Like, it was funny. I, like, I texted her as soon as I, I texted her. I was, like, finished at, like, 5 a.m. And she texted me back at, like, 5.30. She's like, we must be related or something. <laughs> We're both up. <laughs> so, yeah, little, little tidbit for any any Inheritance Cycle fans out there. Murtag is Aragon. amazing. We are, we're we're going to talk about this. And if you didn't know, yeah, there's a fourth book. Or fifth fifth book. There's already four books. I mean, it was ten years. Ten years of waiting. Job. I didn't know I needed. Christopher Paolini. Mm-hmm. Anyways, continuing on. So he so replaces yeah, the dragon. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he replaces the dragon with another dragon named Shalice, which is the dragon. I just said dragon a lot of times. <laughs> that is there when Kendra and Warren are there. And I really appreciate, like, this, like, kind of fulfillment, like, of, like, the mystery. Because, I mean, Gavin and Dugan both commented, I think, like, it's kind of interesting because... Like the the cavern that Shalise was living in was, um, was marked by drag by a dragon, like claw marks and stuff yeah. of a much bigger size, mm-hmm. and she's like very young. Like one of these things is not like the other. Something's out of place. They're like this does not fit. Something They're being Sherlock Holmes suspicious. right there. <laughs> Something suspicious. Yeah. Here. And then I think. Patton kind of takes this moment to be a little of a teacher to Seth because Seth is like, have you killed other dragons? Seth asked eagerly. And then Patton says, killing a dragon is not 
always a good thing, Patton said earnestly. Dragons are more human-like than most magical creatures. They have a great deal of self-possession. Some are good, some are evil. Many are in between. No two dragons are identical, and few are very much alike. So I feel like he's kind of being like, okay, you need to calm <laughs> lower down. the bloodlust here, Seth. It's <laughs> it's good to, like, not kill them sometimes. <laughs> Lena chimes in, and no dragons appreciate it when somebody outside their community slays one of their kind, as you should. Uh, most consider it an unpardonable crime, which is why I insisted. So Lena's in on it. Mm-hmm. Like, this woman's probably, like, stressed so much about her husband. She has so many secrets. Oh my <laughs> Which is why I insisted that Patton keep his dragon slayings unconfirmed. And then the next gem of a line. Seth stabbed the figure at Lena. You said slayings, as in multiple dragons. <laughs> now would be a poor time to relive past adventures unrelated to our present predicament, Patton said. <laughs> I can imagine Seth just looking so, like, like justified, but at the same time heartbroken. Like, because now he knows that there are multiple then he also, no, no, he's not going to hear about it. Patton's like, let's redirect this conversation. (laughs) We're getting off track. And he redirects it to a depressing, depressed mood. Yeah. Because now, yeah. Yeah, no, you're good. He says it's time to talk about Ephira, who is the shadow lady. The shadow lady from the manor. Mm -hmm. And he knows her story because she is connected to Patton's uncle, Marshall, who was the caretaker of Fablehaven. Mm-hmm. And boy, 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 is this a sad story. Yeah. Basically, Marshall is his uncle, and he was the caretaker. And apparently he was a, he was a great guy. Um, managed to preserve all, uh, well, and skillful di- diplomat and a wonderful mentor, as Patton describes him. But he says women were his big weakness. He's a player. He's a player. Ladies, man. He had an undeniable knack for attracting them, but he could never settle on one. Marshall weathered numerous scandals and three failed marriages before becoming infatuated with a certain Hamadryad. Hamadryad? Hamadryad. Hamadryad. I like Hama. This is just a really random, slightly connected thing. I'm I'm currently watching Grey's Anatomy, and if you know the character um, Mark Sloan... (laughs) So for some reason, the um, YouTube algorithm he's known as being a shorts. player, and one of the points uh, Wait, Bailey t- calls him a whore, a man oh. whore, because he just sleeps around, and so that was kind of the word that came into my mouth and to my brain for Marshall. You're not wrong. Mm, but bit of like, a man whore. Is it, is it the same? Wait, is is the guy who plays that the same actor who plays the dad in Enchanted? Oh, you're thinking of McDreamy. He's also in Grey's Anatomy. That's that's yeah, Mark's I, I, best friend. And uh, Mark's left with his wife. <laughs> yeah, so the YouTube algorithm has started insisting oh. that I watch random clips. You should, actually. You of, should watch it. Of random clips of Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. It's great. So I've seen... It's a soap opera, basically. Um, Robert. That's his name. Robert in Enchanted. Oh, Yeah. Derek Shepard. Anyway, that was just, uh, just a funny. I've Off just been, I've been binging Grey's Anatomy, so that's just what came into my brain. Anyway, Marshall sets his sights on what he sees as the ultimate prize, a homodryad, because you know that's not just like a human woman. That's like a goddess. Like yeah, kind of like a goddess basically. And so he woos her and tells her that. Um, well, first of all, she's described as like the, like the most like. I guess vivacious, the the brightest, yeah, brightest, the bubbliest, the like most beautiful of all the homodryads at Fablehaven, 
And so he sees her as the ultimate prize and he promises her that like, oh, we'll fall in love. I'll marry you. We'll be like, we'll have like a happily ever after. And he convinces her to renounce um, her status as a homodryad and she becomes kind of like mortal, kind of like how Lena does when she leaves the pond. Mm-hmm. Sadly, though, it's not as happy of an ending. And I, I, yeah. I, I like that Patton tries to give his uncle as much like like he, he leeway as much leeway as yes as he can he's like he didn't I, he's like i don't think he planned to betray her like i bet he thought that like this would this would be enough yeah that this would finally be able to to satisfy his heart and he would be able to settle down mm-hmm. but and i love how he also specifically says but his behavioral patterns were deeply ingrained and before long the infatuation began to wither and bring it up like his his addiction mm-hmm. is like the fact that he's been going through this cycle for so long like because he like he didn't make effort enough effort to break out of it before they before they got married yeah married it wasn't enough yeah and i really like the wording that Patton uses he says the infatuation began to wither because i think mm-hmm. that really like gets to the point of like you know he said that their courtship was quick and passionate like you know, burn like fire, kind of the flame goes out and that, you know, he kind of, they, they went into something that they weren't ready for. And then it had all these terrible consequences <laughs> that happened afterward because of it. That are still spiraling 200, like, yeah, like almost 200 years later. Yeah. Like 150 years later. It's kind of crazy. It just it's keeps going. This, like this bad decision. Mm-hmm. Well, not bad. No, it wasn't. Oh, decision. it was a bad decision. Yeah. So basically, their marriage is kind of falling apart, and it says that the Hamadryad was crushed. She had forsaken immortality under false pretenses. Um, the betrayal cut her to the core. It poisoned nice her analogy. reason. Yeah. <laughs> she abandoned Marshall and disappeared. I searched, but I failed to find her. It has been. It was years before I finally pieced together what happened to Ephira. You Seth. Your aunt is the shadow lady? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> the Hamadryad that Marshall married was Afira. Mm-hmm. And also, I love the next line from Lena. I'm beginning to see why you withheld our sto- this story. Yeah. Because, I mean, she. I can just imagine her, like, listening to this, and I, she's probably just, like, reliving all the pain that she'd seen Patton go through and, like, whenever they'd fought, yeah. whenever they'd bickered, like, you can imagine how much pressure that put on Patton. Mm-hmm. Because not only did their, did Afira and Marshall's marriage fall apart, she goes to Kurosak, binds herself to, um, to the demon and, like, a new tree that she Yeah, because she's trying to get her immortality she's back. Her, and so she goes and does some dark magic and... Like becomes like a shadow lady, mm-hmm. like a horrifying specter that is now bound to a literal demon. Yeah. And what does she do with that power? <laughs> Hell hath no fury <laughs> like a woman scorned. Exactly. She gets her revenge. <laughs> and Patton yep. says that like she destroys Marshall and others and he like barely escapes with key pages of the treaty. And, like, to the point, she was so powerful and, like, so rageful that like, she haunts their old home. Mm-hmm. Haunts it. Like, Seth was lucky he got away when he visited yeah. in the second book. Like, and now that the nail has been introduced to the equation, 
Like, she is actively trying to destroy the entire preserve mm-hmm. because of this, because of what happened. Yeah, she's still imagine, getting her revenge. Imagine the amount of pressure Patton felt. And he, he even addresses this, like, later on. Lena's like, how did you bear, like, having this knowledge when... And, when we were when we were courting, when we were married, like, yeah. when we were fighting, and he was like, it was difficult. And he said, I straight up sent away. Like people doubted my decision, my choice, because they thought I was just repeating history. Mm-hmm. And I straight up had to just send people away. Like he's, I said, like get out of my life if you're not going to be supportive. If you're going to, if you just are going to keep telling me this is a bad decision, I love her. I'm going to make it work. And I love that it breaks the cycle. And he says, no, I'm going to. I'm going to love her. I'm going to treat her like a queen. I love it. Mm -hmm. And he does it. And I do, I just, I love this, like, story. Like, how it is with, like, the comparison of Marshall and Afira and Patton and Lena. And like I said, he breaks the cycle. And he does what he can to learn from Marshall's mistakes. Because I'm sure as he was, you know, falling in love with Lena, he probably had some reservations of, like, Probably, you know, like in the back of his head being like, should I really be doing this? Like, is is this, am I really going to do it? But I think once he like fell in love with her and she, you know, saved him, came out of the pond. He was, I think at that point he knew that he was committed. And I think that's what makes their relationship so strong is that he was committed to being different. And he was committed to loving her and like being the best husband that he could be. Unlike his, unlike his uncle. Mm-hmm. And, like, even, like, it's talking about how, well, earlier in the book it talked about, like, right after Patton comes back and talks to Lena again, like, they had been fighting about, like, the drapes. The drapes. The drapes. But that it had evolved into Lena being, feeling hurt and saying, you aren't fulfilling the promises you made to me. That's true. (laughs) And that is the exact line that Patton quotes. You know that's stuck in his head. He, this poor man. That's probably what he's thinking about as he's putting the chronometer in the mansion where Afira is. Yes, exactly. Like, I can just, like, he, this, he is so stressed. He just wants so badly to make it work. And I think at this, especially at this point, this patent, like, they haven't, he has not made it work yet. Yeah, they're still working it out. They're still bumping, they're still bumping heads. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they do make it work. And, like, that's such, like, the interesting part about this part of the story where not only us, the audience, is hearing this story for the first time, Lena, after having her whole life with Patton, is hearing the story for the first time. And I think that that can help Lena see... I mean, she already knew that Patton was, like, you know, the love of her life and, like, the most devoted Mm -hmm. person ever. But I feel like it, like, helps – it gives her the chance to see Patton in, like, a new way in this, like, how he was motivated to be, you know, the best husband and, like, love her as much as he did. And I just think that's so cute. And just, like, it's it's a really cool story, even though it's really sad for uh, bad consequences. But, yeah. Just kind of on topic of what we, I, I, we've spent a lot of time talking about this, but I just I need to mention this part. Lena, so the, um, right after he finishes the story and ends with like how he got puts the chronometer in the safe, in the manor, and it's it's talking like Lena says, Patton, what a burden this tale must have been, what a source of worry throughout our courtship and marriage. How did you ever fall in love with me? 
You could see why I hesitated to share the story, Patton said. After I allowed myself to be drawn to you, I vowed our relationship would be different, mm-hmm. that you would have all Afira had lacked. But the story haunted me, haunts me. Those who knew the tale of Afira and Marshall questioned my judgment when I led you from the water. I sent, those, I sent away those who could not keep quiet. Despite my determination to make our relationship flourish, there have been times when doubt has tormented me. I could not imagine what the tale might have done to you with so much more at risk. I'm glad I didn't hear the account during the early years of our marriage, Lena admitted. It would have made a difficult time harder. But know this now. Afira understood the risks before she made her leap. We all do. She did not have to ruin her existence, portrayal or no. And even though you may not want me to spoil the secrets of our years together, know this much. I made the right choice. I proved that, didn't I, by choosing you again? Patton struggled with emotion. Vane stood out on the back of his fist. All he could manage was a nod. Yep. <laughs> I think that's the cutest. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what we were saying, but yeah. <laughs> I have a note right here. Um, <laughs> I said, Burgess men tend to choose women who are out of the ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall, Patton, maybe another man who is the last name Burgess later. <laughs> I love how this chapter ends. Yeah, um, it's just <laughs> And then Seth says, now the big question, how do we stop them? The tent was silent. The situation is dire, Pad said. I'm going to live with you. I have no idea. He's being real. Now we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, Pad doesn't know what to do. We're um, screwed. Um, the world's greatest adventurer has no ideas. It's mm-hmm. uh, a problem. <laughs> and then they start talking about the chronometer, being like, is there anything that we could use for that? And Patton's like, you know. It's complicated. It, yeah, it's complicated. Like, I only scratched the surface on how to figure this out, so not really. Unless you want to make everybody else move really fast. <laughs> that's yeah. Much all you've got. Very slow down time. And for you once, that's not, a, that's not like a Chekhov's gun. Yeah. I was expecting, I remember our first reading, I was like expecting at least oh. one of those functions to come in as like a Chekhov's gun at the end. It's like a, you know, like. I never even like realized that he talked about the function of the chronometer until yeah. reading through it. I was like, oh, wow. That's not important later. Yeah, it's not Chekhov's gun. And then Kendra goes back to her trusted and true, uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, fallback. Um, the fairy queen. It's her her go-to. Yeah, her go-to, the fairy queen. (laughs) Oh, man. And which leads to such a fun, um, interaction because... Kendra's like, well, a fairy named Shiara said that if I return the bowl that I used in the first book... A year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she says the first book. She says the first book. <laughs> I should have, I should be granted passage. Yeah. And like, I, like, she's like, so this, um, she says, normally I can't think of returning to the island without a feeling of dread, but my instincts agree that what, with what the fairy told me. The bowl belongs there. Placing it should allow me access. Patton's like, okay, you did just name the most trustworthy worthy fairy, fairy in Fablehaven. Which is kind of fun. I forget, like, all these creatures are, like, basically immortal. <sighs> Everyone knows like, Shiara. Newell and Doran, New Patton. Like, yeah. Like, all of these creatures, like, like they're all immortal, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, that, that was... And then Patton's like, oh, yeah, I'm Fairy Shrek. Mm-hmm. And I can also talk to fairies. And then I think Seth is like, wait, you could talk to fairies, too? <laughs> He's probably like, I hate fairies, though. Maybe it's not so such a girly thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, maybe. He's like, ah, oh, maybe fairies aren't that bad if Patton likes them. And so, like, that's how he wrote in the secret fairy language in Lost Mesa. 
So their only option now is because Lena did get the bowl, like she brought the bowl out of the water when she jumped out to embrace Patton mm-hmm. romantically. Yes. They now just have to get that back to the island, which is also now full of angry naiads. <laughs> I'd even go far so far as to say murderous. <laughs> I mean, they're always murderous, but they're always, I mean, they're very murderous they're for Patton. They're especially murderous. <laughs> they have today. a vendetta against this man. <laughs> they're like, you Twice. will not freaking die. Now. It's like, we already tried to kill you. Yeah, and so they're like, okay, we got to do this. And Patton's like, I'll come with you, Kendra. I have some experience navigating those hazards, he mm-hmm. says with a wink at Lena. Yeah. Lena, <laughs> the former naiad, raised her eyebrows and getting dragged to the pond by those hazards, if memory serves. I, I want a full memoir. I want a full memoir of their life together. <laughs> I it I would want, be the most entertaining thing. I want ever. like a commentary from both of them. I think it'd be really funny. Oh <laughs> like an office, kind of like the office style. Like, like you have them go into separate rooms for interviews and be like, "My husband's an idiot. Oh, my wife is so great. <laughs> my husband went and did this dangerous thing again, and <laughs> he almost died that. again." <laughs> It was kind of hot. <laughs> he brought me back a gift. <laughs> Dragon egg this time. You know. <laughs> I wonder what that's for. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know she hates it, but she loves it. Yeah. <laughs> it's what's charming about him. So, yeah, they devise a plan. They're going to go across in the boat. Patton's going to row Kendra across to the island. And so they go to do that. And they get in the boat and they start going and they hear the naiads before they even leave the boathouse. The naiads are all like, they can hear them like kind of talking and being like, oh, here they come, you know. And so they know that they're they're in for, you know, like, a fight. Hurry, hurry, gather everyone. Not a moment to lose. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Also, back backing up just a tiny bit just because... At one point, like, they're heading over to the pond, and, like, they were in, like, the soundproof tent, so now they're heading over to the pond, and um, uh, Patton has to give a couple words, you know, because he's Patton. He's public speaking. I hope I can rely on all of your, uh, on on the assistance of all of you if needed. And from the back of the crowd, anything for you, Patton? I have a dry and cried in a breathy tone that earned a glare from Lena. Everyone's in love with Patton. <laughs> and then, of course, he walks over to the, to the boathouse and smashed open the locked door with a single measured kick. I mean... This man! If he can punch a centaur, I think I he know, can... <laughs> I know, it's just like, it just it just seems so nonchalant. Like, this is He's another in the day in the office. of his life. <laughs> yeah. And so, I love how Patton looks at the little... Um, paddle boat that Kendra used in the first book and he's just like you are my kind of crazy <laughs> <laughs> he's like you got her crossing that thing <laughs> she's like I didn't know how to row but I, I know how to pedal fair oh, enough <laughs> so funny and so Patton's like okay here we go and this, so they start making it across and like the naiads are pushing and pulling yeah, at one the, point they're the like the second they got out of the boathouse <laughs> yes at one point, they're, like, getting out of the water and, like, grabbing onto Kendra. And, mm-hmm. like, Patton has to start straight up smacking them with the oars. Yeah. He, he's like, if you don't start, like, behaving, I have to, like, start inflicting worse injuries than just spanking you with an oar. Like, he even, he even says it, like, uh, like stay in the water, ladies. I'm yeah. spanking, not 
uh, cutting, wound, yeah. not wounding. And like, he's treating them like they're, they're, they're children. He's seriously treating them like yeah. they are children. Like, this is kind of I'm funny. just going to spank you from now. But learn. <laughs> you need to learn. Well, he's more just like, get off. We need to keep going. <laughs> and the kids keep grabbing on the oars, pushing them around. But somehow they eventually make it to the island. And then Kendra. With the help of Lena. With the help. Oh, yeah, Lena. I forgot about that. She, like, they're, like, all, like, the naiads are surrounding the boat, climbing on, pushing, shoving, pulling. And then Making you hear. It's impossible for them to progress. Yeah. And then you hear Lena call out some of the names of the naiads. And she has her toes in the water and, like, have her feet in the water. And she's just kind of being like, la-di-da, here I am. Come and get me. And I love how. Seth stood behind her, an eager look on his face. You know he encouraged her. Oh, yeah. He was probably like, Lena, I have an idea. <laughs> and she's pro- like, sure. It probably was his it's, idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I protected Patton. Lena, no. And then she, so she's like acting like, oh, you know, I just have my feet in the water whatever. And then she like jumps out. And then like she, they see the grabbing hands. And so she just, you know, she's a former naiad. She knows their tricks and she times it perfectly. And so she's trying to just, and so Patton's like, oh, she's trying to distract him. Yeah. So now there's only like, they're splitting their forces. So some yeah. are going after Lena. Some of them are going after Patton and Kendra. Patton and Kendra. Yeah. So they make it, they run around on the island for a second. And Kendra thinking, you know, I guess I might still turn to dandelions, but I think this is still the right thing. She like <laughs> jumps off the boat. And again, she's like, she's kind of thinking, well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> and then she goes, well, Patton then gets pulled away into the thing. He's like, you go do your thing. I got this. Don't worry about me. Specifically, lightheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> He's having the time of his give life. Me, give me an oar across the surface of the water with a ferocious swing. I got this. Just just, just go on. He's like, you go do that. <laughs> yeah. And then Kendra goes immediately to the little fairy statue because she remembers where it is. And then puts the bowl back and connects with the fairy queen. And the fairy queen is like, ah, thank you. You're good. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to level with you. This is bad. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a way for this to f- be fixed. But problem. So, yeah. So the fairy queen says, if I'm going to help you fix this, I'm going to have to sacrifice this shrine because I need the energy. Mm-hmm. She's like, the, this is the only way. I'm going to imbue a talisman with all of the magical light energy of this shrine, and you can use that to destroy the nail. Yeah. Because it's, you know, going up against a demon with, like, dark, par- very powerful dark magic and, and the nail from the Revenant. Yes. Like, very dark, powerful talismans. And so... Yeah, that was the only way is that mm-hmm. destroy the shrine, take the energy from the shrine, put it into the, in the, well, Tal- take a little it's talisman. A little it's a little like pebble egg shaped thing. But then the consequences of that is Fablehaven loses its connection to the fairy queen because mm-hmm. now the shrine is gone. So there's consequences to this, but yes. it should work. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the concept, like the nail is such a like concentrated, like convoluted point of like dark energy mm. like opposites will cancel each other out so yeah. the fairy queen is just say like, I will make a but like it's and I also love that the second concept where she says beware though whoever connects the two objects will die 
like there is nothing to avoid that. And mm-hmm. like it's kind of the same thing. If you pour boiling, if you put like something that's like boiling hot into cold water, there's an explosion of steam. This yeah. is basically that, but at a much bigger scale. Yeah. I just had a thought occur to me as you were describing the talisman of <coughs> of the nail. It's just kind of thinking you know, like dark nail, very pointy, ragged, you know, Ooh. like rough. And then the stone, which is very smooth, kind of circular. I think of like the circle being, you know, representing eternity and like light and stuff. Mm. I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. I mean, they're not like exactly opposite, but kind of an interesting comparison. Like if, you, if you look at a crooked, rusty nail. Yeah. And then a nice, smooth, smooth river pebble. stone. Yeah. That fits in your hand. Yeah, you're right. I like the uh, like the visuals of that. Yeah. yeah. And then like putting them together, you like you were saying like has to like neutralize each other mm-hmm. basically. But it's always going to have a kickback. Consequences. And so Kendra's like, "Wait, what?" It's yeah. <laughs> That's it's a pretty serious thing yeah. to think about like whoever connects the the pebble and the nail dies. Mhm. And so right off the bat, we know that those are the consequences. And the fairy queen's like, okay, so I'd rather if it wasn't you. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I kind of put a lot of effort into making you fairy kind and all that stuff. So please don't go off killing yourself by being heroic. (laughs) I'd rather, I'd rather keep you. You're, you're, you're special now. Yeah. (laughs) But like now Kendra has to go back to her family and be like, so... Here's the deal. Good news, bad yeah. news. But I mean, at this now they finally have all the pieces though. Like they know what's causing the plague. Mm-hmm. They know who's behind it. They know the tragic backstory of the people behind it. They know where the they know where the source is of the plague is. Yeah. They and they know and ha- now have how a to way destroy it. how to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's also important she mentions some other important things like if Kendra is holding as Kendra holds it, she's giving it power because she's like a magical energy reserve. Mm-hmm. And so she's while she holds it, it, she's stabilizing it and she creates like a like a dome of energy that yeah makes it so the light creatures can enter like the dark creatures territory and so that's like a really important thing as they can take help with them to go to the the tree. And then I also kind of see it as like like the stone and Kendra kind of feed into each other. Yeah. Like now Kendra is way more powerful and also when Kendra's holding the stone, the stone is more stable. Like they're they're both feeding into each other. It's like a very symbiotic relationship between mm-hmm. her and the stone. Yeah. Which is weird cuz it's an inanimate object, but still it works. It works. <laughs> And then I think it's interesting, Kendra's like, well, now that the shrine is going to be destroyed, how am I supposed to ever, like, talk to you again? And the fairy queen says that you can go to, she can go to different shrines, but, you know, just kind of follow your gut on if it feels so right. your feelings, Kendra, you'll know it to be true. <laughs> okay, Vader. <laughs> that was applicable. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. She... That finishes their conversation. Fairy Queen destroys the shrine, creates the talisman, and then Kendra gets it. Now we have to go do this. <laughs> it's time to go get to work. Gets back in the boat. And they get a free ride back. Yeah. <laughs> and I love, like, the passive aggressiveness. 
Like, because like, Kendra sees Patton on the beach and she's like, oh, I gotta hurry before the, the Naiads pull him back into the water. And Patton's like, ah, no rush, they're under orders. And the voice chimes up from the water, reluctantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hush, we're not supposed to talk. <laughs> also, another nice little comparison. Fair enough, like, Patton's, like, agreeing to go, we need to hurry. But he says, one thing I'll say, that shone's shines almost as brightly as you do. Mm-hmm. I wonder what would have, like, so we know if the stone and the nail touch, they yeah. cancel out. Yeah. What would have happened if Kendra... If she had done it? Had tu- had not j- if just Kendra. Oh, if Kendra stone, had touched the nail? If just Kendra touches the nail. Ah. That's interesting. Would she die or would she just cancel I'm, it out? Because I'm, she's, like, connected to the... Because it says... Cause it says interesting here, question. It says it here that she is connected to the same source as the fairy queen. Yeah. Which... In, like she has like this infinite well, yeah like, not infinite, but, like I, it's kind of infinite it's, it seems it's, it's like <laughs> like she has this like so and Patton says the stone is shining almost almost as brightly as bright as Kendra. yeah so like could Kendra herself have just touched the nail with her finger I if I had to bet I'd say it'd probably kill her and that's mm-hmm. why the fairy queen made the talisman so yeah. that it wasn't just a like, there's only a possibility that we lose Kendra instead of a definite, like, like, and that's probably why she didn't tell her. Yeah, well. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, she probably would. I bet the fairy queen would have known that Kendra, I think, I think she probably could have because of, like, what you were saying. But I bet the fairy queen probably knew that. And, you know, that's why she decided it's better to lose the, the shrine. shrine than this Kendra, my new handmaiden, uh-huh. which makes you realize how important Kendra is Mm -hmm. to the fairy queen Mm -hmm. that's really interesting yeah that's a good question (laughs) it it just occurred to me when I saw that line from Pat and like that science I was like could Kendra have done the deed herself I think she could have but it would have killed her okay I will say I'm really excited for when this is made into an adaptation and we get to see the story of like Marshall and Patton I feel like as he's telling it it'll be kind of like you know how in Deathly Hallows where Hermione's telling Tale like, of Three the, Brothers. The, the Tale of Three Brothers. Yeah, n- not like book form kind of like that, but just kind of like how you hear Patton's voice and he's telling it, I feel like it could be like that. Or it could be like a separate scene where it's like he remembers and you see it happening. Anyway, I just think that'll be really interesting, like how they plan mm-hmm. to do that, but it'll be fun to see. And I'd also love that, like, we kind of really feel like the momentousness of like this moment where like the shrine is sacrificed. And, like, what that means to, like, the creatures. Like, I want, like, as, like, the, the chapter ends with yes. glancing up, Kendra saw a golden owl with a human face gazing down at her from a high limb, a tear sliding from one eye. Mm-hmm. Like. And then when she, when they get back from the island, three dryads come straight up to them and are like, what, what did, did you, you do, do to the shrine? It has been destroyed. We are no longer connected to the Fairy Queen. And they're like, this is the worst thing that could have happened. Like, they are so angry. Mm-hmm. And the only the only thing that pl- placates them is the possibility that she did this so that we have a chance. Yeah. Now how Patton kind of takes that one runs with it. He's, like, saying all this stuff, and he's just, like, kind of glancing back at her, like, I'm not talking out of my rear end, right? Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, this is true. This is the plan, right? <laughs> this is, Back me I, up we're here. We're on the same, play, same page, right? Yeah, he's like, this is the fairy queen's plan. Let us talk in private for a minute, and then we'll come back out and tell you the plan. Allow me to actually hear the plan first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Kendra has to give the good and bad news of, hi, I have 
the way to destroy the nail and fix this whole problem. Bad news, whoever does it dies. <laughs> and then they start having a whole discussion of who's going to do it, how are they going to do it, and all that. And, of course, we have Pat and go, not a problem. I will personally resolve this dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> and Lena's just like, no! He was like, no, you will not. <laughs> and then Patton's like, we've already had our life. It doesn't matter if I die right now. And she's like, you don't know how time travel works. You don't know if that you have to go back to me after these three days are done. You don't know how it works. And Patton's like, eh, no, that's how it works. And yeah, I love she also is like, I've been dealing with you for decades. I know how you work. I know, like, like you're always stretching for an excuse to protect others at your expense. Partly out of a noble sense, but mostly for the thrill. You just like the high. You just like the adrenaline rush. He's an adrenaline junkie. 100%. Anyone who calls himself the world's greatest adventurer cannot not be adrenaline junkie. True. And I love Seth comes up with the idea, how about we just throw it? And feeling that, let's have a fairy connect them. They always hated me. Let's make one of them die. Let's have all the fairies do it together. <laughs> and so basically their plan is that they're not going to designate who's going to do it, but they have a plan. First, Patton's going to throw it because he's like, I have great aim. We can do that. And then they'll try and have fairies do it who volunteer. And then they kind of go on from that point. <laughs> and Patton's like, and if, and then like, okay. And when Patton says, I'll throw the stone. And Lena's like, and if you miss, <laughs> we'll worry about that when it happen, happens. Lena huffs, which is Patonese for you will reunite these objects yourself. Yeah. This woman. <laughs> she, she's like, I know what you really mean. <laughs> and then next slide, Patton shrugged innocently. <laughs> Dude. He's like, I can't deny it. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, anyway, they have this whole conversation. They don't really decide who's going to do it, but Patton's like, you know, I'm probably going to do it. But, anyway, so then... It's unresolved. Pat and Lena go to talk to... They talk about how they're going to need help to get to the tree, and so it's their idea to take... I mean, yeah, it's deep in Shadowlands. Yeah, deep in the enemy, deep in enemy territory. <laughs> that was a Lord of the Rings quote for anyone who got that. Hey, <laughs> we're in enemy territory. Those These are, are enemy birds. birds. Yes! <laughs> Avatar Last Airbender. Anyway, we're you full have, of references you today. You would have so much fun in my creative writing class. Like, Does everyone love Avatar? Oh my, not even just Avatar. Like, any quote. Like, I mean, it's a creative the, writing class. Like, somebody in the room is going to be like, it's the nerds. Yeah. <laughs> 100% it's the nerds, and it's my favorite class for the exact reason. So, they decide that they need help to get to the tree, and so Pat and Lena are going to go talk to the other creatures and try to get them to join with them so that they can all go to the tree together because Kendra has the bubble of protection around them so that they can actually enter into the dark creature's domain. And so they go off to do that. And Seth is like, um, I'm going to go see if any of the shadow people are showing up at the hedge because they said that they would try if they could. So Kendra and Seth go over to the hedge to see if anyone shows up. And lo and behold, who do we have but Coulter, Coulter. shows up. Yep. And I love this, like, interaction because, like, everybody in this situation is so unsure of what's going to happen. Like, nobody yeah. knows what's happening here. Yeah, this is new territory. Like, this is completely new territory. Like, so Coulter is is coming forward and, like... It says like, hang on, he's struggling. Like, why is he like? And he like he's like moving with effort, trying yeah. to get close to mm-hmm. to the hedge. And so um, Kendra's like, okay, um, interesting, because she can't see Coulter. Mm-hmm. And Colt and um, Seth remembers like, wait, um, you're really bright, right? Maybe that's hurting him. Maybe you should step back. 
Kendra goes a step back, and Coulter's like, no. And then he's like, pantomiming, nope, 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 come back. I, like, come back, come back. Yeah. So even though it's getting harder and harder and harder and harder, Kendra comes closer, and Coulter just stumbles forward. And I love, like, this, like, quick moment of, like, suspicion, because, like, Kendra's like, what if he touches me? What if he bites me? Yeah, because she's like, I don't know what that would do to the talisman or anything. Like, she's very, very smart. Yeah. And Seth's like... It's her one chance. He's not acting, okay? Yeah, Seth is like, you need to help him. And then I love the part where, like, they get so... She gets so close to Coulter that he flashes into view and she sees him. And that's when she, like, grabs him and helps him up. It's like she's, like... It's, like, burning him. Yeah. Like... It's almost like it's it's like burning away the shadow. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I really like like I can just like kind of like see that like his like slowly his fingers appear and like this darkness starts like creeping back like to Kendra. It looks like hands just appearing out of nowhere. You know what would be really cool for the visual for this? Because like it says like he like flashes in the view, but like it'd be cool where she like touches him. It like instantly turns like it slowly goes over his whole body. Yeah, like the kinda visual like of a, it like burning away. Yeah. That would yeah. be cool, burning away the shadows. They could do really cool visuals in this book. Hire us, somebody. So Hire cool. us. I mean, I mean, just for ideas. I can't do anything <laughs> design-wise, but... We could be writers. We could be... We could be, we could do we could be the brain trust of it. <laughs> <laughs> we could be the... Um, what's it the called? fact checkers. We can be the, the fact checkers. Uh, <laughs> Kendra touches him, and boom, we got Coulter back. He is no longer a shadow man. He's a yeah. flesh man. And so then some of the dark satyrs who were at the hedge run off and they're like they're gonna go tell everyone that Kendra can heal people yeah so like I love how Coulter's like okay give me a minute yeah I need to I need to say catch my breath that was awesome he's been a shadow the longest too yeah like he was the first person to get turned into a shadow days ago mm-hmm. and so like I really oof, and I thought we finally get like an inter not an inter like a like a, well, I guess an introspection about like what being a shadow was really like. Yeah. And so it talks about like, like because Seth asked, "What was it like to be a shadow?" And Coulter's like, "Colder than I could ever describe." Um, sunlight intensified the cold into agony. As a shadow, it was tough to focus. My emotions became confused. I felt desolate, utterly empty. My mind wanted to shut down. I was constantly tempted to collapse and wallow in my emptiness. But I knew I had to fight those inclinations. Tanu helped me keep my mind whole after he was changed love this because it's really like just showing like they had like they're also affected by this dark plague like but it's to the point like humans have that special like spark or something about them about their about their ability to just to choose who they are yeah that the magical creatures don't that was able to help Coulter resist that I I can imagine Mm -hmm. that if he just, like, as he says, if I, like, if he had let himself just, like, completely collapse and wall in emptiness, I, I can imagine his body becoming just, like, an absolute puppet, like, for if you were into yeah, that's like, true. and, like, have him basically being, like, in a cage in his own mind. Yeah, like, giving in to the darkness would give her control over him. Exactly. But because he keeps fighting it... I think that's you're right. What him to yeah, keep. and so yeah, that's that's I have that highlighted, and I just wanted to bring that up. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. And then <laughs> Coulter's like, "Well, I guess it's the three of us. We're gonna <laughs> save <laughs> Fablehaven." And then I love this next line. Seth says, "We also have Patton Burgess helping us." Coulter Sickard, <laughs> right? And I expect Paul Bunyan will also be lending a hand. We should check if Peso Pecos Bill is available. 
And Kendra's like, no, 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 he's serious. <laughs> and I love how Kelter's still like, nah. He's like, you're pulling no, my leg. He's no. like, I, like, Patton Burgess is like, Coulter's like, he I, idolizes him. Yes. And so he's like, you're pulling my leg. Like, you're lying out to me. You're lying to me right yeah, now. Yeah. I, I appreciate the, I appreciate the, uh, the, the lightning, the moon. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's a funny joke, but you know, let's get serious. And he doesn't believe them until he sees Lena and Patton. And then he's like, what? <laughs> you were telling the truth? <laughs> His mannerisms are unabashedly starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> I love how Coulter, who's like this like 70-year-old man, is a fanboy. <laughs> I know. He's <laughs> just fanboying. It's like... You know, when people say, I have a question, like, if you could choose any three people to invite to a lunch, dead or alive, <laughs> who would Pat, you choose? Pat Burgess, number one. It's at the top of Coulter's list. <laughs> 100, 100. I just, I just love like, I could just see Coulter like this crotchety old man, like, real funny kids. You, you're pulling my leg. You're yeah. funny. You, <laughs> had, you had me going for a second, but then I remembered it's Seth talking. It's yeah, <laughs> Seth talking. Kendra's getting back at me for being sexist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I do like the last line of this chapter. Tomorrow we will decide the fate of Fablehaven. Patton Birch, of course. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> that's not coming from Seth. I get all the cool lines. <laughs> Patton. Are you kidding? No, if you look at, like, like I have, like, this book on my phone. If you look at how much I have highlighted over the past couple of chapters, it's kind of embarrassing. Every comment I make. Patton. Yeah, every comment I make in mine, I'm just like, Patton's so cool. Ah, oh, Patton awesome. said this. Oh, Patton did that. <laughs> There's a reason he's a fan favorite. <laughs> There's a reason we all want a book. A series. Not him. <laughs> At least, like, one or two or three. Three, you know? Two, three. That seems to be your limit, right? I feel like three it's is a good it's number. three or five. We'll take three if we have to. Three is good for prequels. <laughs> nice. There's three hobbits, right? Yeah, okay. That didn't need to be a prequel. <laughs> that didn't need to be three movies. <laughs> Speaking of prequels, I mean, Star Wars, so, there's three. <laughs> well, there's the precedent of, like, the original trilogy, yeah. the prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy. I'm just saying, if he doesn't want to write a five-book series, we'll take three. one is not enough for us, but three is good. <laughs> Alright. Continuing on. So, now we have an extra little perk. Kendra can now restore darkened people, and they're, and we're, like, they're, like, we're gonna bet that if she touches, like, a dark satyr, or a dark centaur. Mm-hmm. We get we get light. Yep. Change them back. So they wake up the next morning. And well, Kendra wakes up the next morning and like everyone's ready to go. This girl always <laughs> Seth is like, finally you're awake. And he's like, Pat wouldn't let us wake you up. He wanted you to be well rested. And so she's kinda like awkwardly gets out of her tent and like everyone's watching her. He's like, Oh, that's kinda awkward. <laughs> I mean she is pretty much the chosen one in this situation. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so yeah they all go and before they go out remember they have hugo and kendra learned that she could command fairies to do things in the name of the queen and so she has all the fairies except the three that volunteered to help with the talisman she commands them to prepare hugo for battle and it makes him beefier and like covers him in like 
flowers and stuff. And, but congratulations, your Hugo has evolved into Mega Hugo. <laughs> mega evolution of Hugo. Mega. Basically, it's he basically has, what like, it is. he beefs them up and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Thanks to Patton's rousing speech, and also the fact that um, if they don't go with them, they're gonna get turned into shadow people anyway, or into dark creatures anyways. Yeah, because where Kendra goes, the bubble goes, and so they gotta run after her, and so. I just, like, they all move out in this, like, this glorious procession with the, satyr, the centaurs on either side, satyrs and dwarves and dryads and hamadryads and fairies. And the all two around. centaurs. <laughs> yes. I love, Kendra has a line here. It was an impressive sight until Kendra remembered that all of those allies could be changed into enemies with a bite. Yeah, that is pretty intimidating. Sobering, yeah. Yeah, being like, all these people could be fighting against us pretty quick. And... The thing, so what they notice is as they move, so they now have like this giant dome over them that pushes back any dark creatures. Yeah. So like they come to some barricades that are guarded because like they're like the dark creatures are trying to block their way, but they cannot stand to be within the light. It's basically the, a mobile shrine. But the problem is once they get to Kurisok's domain, mm-hmm. Seth's like, okay, I see a wall of darkness. Yeah. And Patton's like, I see a dome of light. Sounds like a poem or something. <laughs> it kind of does. And so as they get closer, as the two borders reach each other, they merge. They, cancel, they merge and they cancel it out. Basically like a diluted version of what happens when the nail touches the stone. Yeah. It bas- they just cancel it out. It's, it's neutral ground. It's basically <laughs> you're just out in the middle of the woods, anywhere in Fable Haven. Mm-hmm. It's free game. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, once they get to Kirsok's realm and the borders merge, the fight begins. And it does not go well. No. But then again, it doesn't need to. Like, pretty much everybody knows the goal is to get Kendra and the stone, plus whoever else, to the tree. Yeah. And the problem is that they got to find the tree. And it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at first they're getting, like, attacked. Like, the centaurs, the satyrs, they all go to fight. Uh, Patton and Lena... I think go to fight because there's some fog giants that show up and one of them attacks Seth and Kendra. They like break the cart, flip it over. Hugo's trying to fight. Anyway, we I don't want to really like want to go in all the details. Solid battle couple moments. Yeah. With like Lena and Patton like throwing a sword between the two of them. That was cool. <laughs> like Lena's hamstringing a giant where Patton's like dodging like a matador. I'm like, Let's go. OTP. <laughs> These two are my OTP for this entire series. 100%. Fair. They're fighting. Um, so they're watching as they, as like, some of their allies are slowly turning into dark creatures, but Kendra's able to turn some of them back. She gets... Um, she gets surrounded. She gets surrounded happens. by, like, six dark dryads. Mm-hmm. They change Seth, but Kendra touches one of them, and she immediately changes back. And then that new dryad helps Kendra get another one. And so she's like slowly changing some of them back, but it's not enough. So they know that they're losing the battle because she can only change so many as all of them can change the light creatures into dark. Can we also talk about like the trauma of what happens like right before that though? But like before they know for sure that she can change them back, like the dark dryads are closing in fast and like dark fairies are shooting dark streaks and like they're hitting Seth and changing him invisible. Yeah. And he's like, run Kendra, Seth urged an invisible patch spreading across the side of his jaw. Not this time, Kendra said. The dark dryads were too quick for her to have any hope of escape. A dark dryad snatched Seth, 
hoisting him into the air with a single arm and plunging her teeth into his neck. He thrashed, but the gray dryad held him firmly, and a moment later he was invisible. Like, that's kind of, like, that, 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 that's rough. That's yeah. scary. And I, I love that she says, not this time, because mm-hmm. she ran in the first book when they were Oof. losing to Muriel. Oof. And they said, and, and Grandpa was like, run, Kendra, run. And, and she, she did. did. But this time she's like, no. I can do something this time. Well, not even that. Not even that. I think for her, this is just like, I can't. There's nothing I can do at this point. I can't run. Because, I mean, it's like the dryads were too quick for everyone to escape. It's not like a, I'm not going to run this time. It's like, I can't run this time. I think it is more, I don't know. I kind of agree, disagree with you on that. I think it's like, I I think she knows that she can do something because she changed culture. So she has at least an idea that she might be able to change the dark creatures into light. Or else she wouldn't try. But she didn't try it. Well, I think she still has an idea that she could do it. Maybe. But, like, at the same time... Also, how how would she change Coulter, then? I don't know. Well, she didn't try changing Coulter. Like, she grabbed him by instinct. I know. But, like, she knows that she can. When she... Well, but when she changes the... Like, the first... Okay, I know she doesn't grab the the dryer. The dryer grabs her, technically. (laughs) But she knows that she might be able to do it. (laughs) Knowing... No... Hoping and knowing are two very different things. Okay, but I don't think she was, like, super, like... The way you're describing it makes it sound like she's, like, defeated. And I don't feel like she's defeated. defeated. No, resigned? I don't feel like she's resigned either. Okay. Okay. We just read it differently. Agree and disagree. I'm trying to be more hopeful here. (laughs) I know. And believe that she is brave. I just, like, I just feel like that's a really brave statement of, like, not this time. And it's not like... I don't feel like it's as resigned. I feel like it's brave. Okay. Okay. I, I see where you're coming from. And I think I've rem- I remember reading it that way. But this time when I read it, I read this and I, I saw more like, I've got no shot. I, I Like, I guess I can see it as the dark dryads were too fast. So I'm like, I might as well hold my ground here. So I, maybe you can make okay. a picture of the two? I feel like she would be resigned if she hadn't changed Coulter. But because she knows that she can at least change shadows... She has a chance of changing the dark creatures. But we do know that the shadow men are, like, the shadow people are different from the standard shadow creature. Yeah, but it's still a chance, though. It's still a chance. Yes. And <laughs> she's a person that takes chances when she's got no other option, so. That's true. And so you're, she had no other option. Okay. I think we are both correct in our own ways. Like, in certain, from a certain point of view. I think we just have different views, and yeah. we're going to agree to disagree, actually. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Now, <laughs> I love how, like, like, Kendra's, like, running around trying to get, like, dryads, and, like, Seth has to, like, be chasing her invisible, like, trying to be like, stop moving! Yeah, he, like, grabs her ankle and is like, ah, I could have done this earlier if you'd stayed still. And, like, Kendra's like, Kendra charged after a fourth dark dryad, feeling like she was on a playground. She was it, and this was a high-stakes game of tag. <laughs> That's a good description. <laughs> Basically what it is. Yeah, Because all she much. needs is a touch. And, like, at one point, like, she runs over to the um, centaurs because mm-hmm. Broadhoof got changed. Yeah, and, and Cloudwing so is Cloud- trying to fend him off. Yeah, and he, like, yanks her to Kendra, and Kendra just slaps him <laughs> on the flank. Yeah. And I'm like... Boop. Hope he doesn't remember that. <laughs> and like, uh, in the same really like, matter. Cloudwing has dead. like a festering wound. Yeah, it's like spreading. Slowly. Yeah, and Kendra. Boop. It's interesting how she can do it immediately, but the darkness takes a while. It, ooh, philosophical there. <laughs> the darkness takes a while to take over, but light is immediate. It's also it could also because she she's is more powerful. 
She's direct. Yeah, it's a direct contact, yeah. whereas, like, the... It is, it, like, it is a shadow plague. Yeah. Plagues take time. Sure. I imagine if, like, like if you touch the nail, you're, like, they told, like, that's what It'd be Raul has told Seth if you touch the nail with his bare hand. Dunzo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's so powerful. Like, yeah, like, the, the fog giant goes for her. And night-night mm-hmm. fog giant. Yeah, she burns the fog giant because it's already dark. It's already a dark creature. And so they... She gets back with Patton and Lena and Coulter. And I love this because, like, Patton was changing in to a shadow. And she, like, runs and, like, gives him a hug. And he's like, oh, you're doing so good. And But then they're like, we need to hurry because all our allies are slowly being turned into enemies. And so... They were distractions. Yeah. And, yeah, basically. <laughs> and so the one of the dryads that she changed back is like, I know the way to the tree. I can take you there. And so... They get together and they get Broadhoof and Cloudwing so they can ride them over to the tree and they go. Mm-hmm. And there they go. Here's the showdown. <laughs> and so they find the tree, which is on the edge of the Black Tar Pit. And we've heard so much about. <laughs> we've heard so much about it. And then <coughs> there waits Ephira. All of her black tendrils of fabric writhing around mm-hmm. her. And some uh, minions of hers as well. Mm-hmm. It says, From hiding places among boulders and cavities in the ground emerged three dark centaurs, four dark dryads, several armor-clad hobgoblins, and an obese cyclops willing a poleaxe. So she's got some minions of her own to fight. Cyclops goes down pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> The other dark creatures don't really come into play, so we mainly focus on the main confrontation, which has got Ephira guarding the tree and the nail. Then we have Kendra, Seth, Patton, and Lena mm-hmm. as the main offense, trying yeah. to dig, trying to get. It's basically like like football. You're trying to dive and get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, keep away and yeah. Mm-hmm. It is like football. Like keep away from the other team and get a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> and I like this part just because like. It's interesting, Afira starts to talk, and she Mm -hmm. says, The girl can do no lasting harm here. This is our domain. My darkness will quench her spark. And then she starts talking, Patton starts talking to her and says, Come no closer, Afira. Do not interfere. We bring release from the bleak prison to which you have been confined. And then Afira says... You should not have meddled here, Patton Burgess. No, no, I am no not in need of rescue. Her long dead nephew is now alive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. She's already come to terms with that. <laughs> yeah, she says, "You should not have meddled here, Patton Burgess. I am not in need of rescue." And you can like no. poor Patton, like like right after that he says, "That will not stop us." He replied in a softer voice, like he still loves her. Yeah, like, he he said it before. She he had a good his, relationship with she her. She was his favorite relative. Mm-hmm. Like, she was the reason he became fairy struck, which is a huge part of his life. Yeah. Probably one of the reasons that he could even talk to Lena, because I imagine that the naiads use a form of the fairy language. So many of these things. And it's just, like, like his voice is now soft. Like, even if you try to stop us, I'm going to do my best to save you. Yep. So now begins the... The confrontation. Football game. <laughs> the football <laughs> Yeah. There's Indeed. 30 seconds left on the clock. They have one. Oh, less than last that. Play. We're at like five, okay, five seconds. Five seconds left on the clock. They have one t- 
time for one more play. Mm-hmm. We're getting a little too deep into this. Yeah. I'm Sorry like, for international <laughs> listeners who don't watch football. Though actually, you might the watch wrong fo- football. You might watch football more now Wait, because you know, of Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, I'm even saying like the right like you're watching. We're talking about the wrong football or the uh, right. We're talking football. about the right football. We're Americans. Okay. This is the right football. <laughs> if you're not in America, it's not the right football. But we're Oof. in America. Okay. All right, right before we get into, like, the main thing when they're actually really trying to go for it, like, can we talk about this one line from Patton and and uh, Ephira? Like, right after, like, if, like Patton's kind of like, ugh, that will, you will not stop us. And Patton goes, too much darkness can be blinding. And Ephira replies, as can too much light. That is um, a banger of a reply. <laughs> they were both, like, super yeah. solid. Like, because it's super true. If you spend too much time in darkness, I think metaphorical or literal, like being like if you spend too much time making dark decisions yeah. and and being a bad person, the light becomes intolerable to you. So I just think that that is a powerful interesting. metaphor. Yeah, no, I think that those lines are interesting. Um and then, oh, and then Patton does another banger reply. A fact you will soon appreciate as never before. Onward, Hugo! Yeah, it's like this, like, moment of, like, draws the sword, puts it in the air. It's like, charge, basically. Like, I just love, like, yeah, Afir gets a banger reply, and then Patton's like, I will one-up you! Yeah, and going back to, I was going to comment about the, the darkness thing, the Patton saying, uh, too much darkness can be blinding. I think that's an interesting thing to say because to me that's more metaphorically like you're blinded not like you can't see things but you can't like see anything else than like the dark influences Mm -hmm. in your life like i don't know like if you're going down like the a bad road that's kind of all consuming Mm kind of thing and it just kind of blinds you to like other things in your life and so i feel like that's what happened to Afira. She yeah. got blinded by her anger, by her bitterness, and by her, sh- like, shame. She felt ashamed after because she wasn't in She was betrayed. Anymore. She yeah. was betrayed. So. Yeah. She was blinded by that. Yeah. It really is. It's like the same thing. Like, if you've been sitting in a dark room and somebody turns on the light without warning, it, like, you, you are blinded. You have to close your eyes for a few moments in order to readjust. And I think that can go along with her is that that's interesting to say because if you've been in the dark too long, you can't even, like, recognize the light. Like, you mm-hmm. don't recognize it for what it is. You try to block it out because you can't it's too painful. handle it anymore. It's too painful, and you don't recognize that it's trying to help you. Exactly. And you push it away. You, pl- clo- you literally close your eyes because you won't. You can't handle it, and that's what happened to Afira. So the first thing that happens is that... Okay. <laughs> Pat nudged Cloudwing with his heels, like, <laughs> Giddy up, horsey! <laughs> <laughs> Only Patton could do that. Only Patton! Without the centaur, like, literally murdering the, his rider. Right? Like, I just, I'm just looking at that, I'm just like, he, That's so true. <laughs> he wasn't like, let's go, Cloudwing, forward. He was like, Giddy up, horsey! <laughs> Where are my spurs? Let's go! <laughs> That's really funny. I just had to point that. I noticed it right as you were about to say, like, let's move on. And I was like, no, wait. This must be acknowledged. This must be acknowledged. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. So many people would pay money to see someone like do that and like not like a serious situation to the centaur be like getting up horsey. <laughs> like Seth would probably kill someone to do that. Like I mean he probably didn't write it like that to mean it like that, but that is a funny picture in my head. <laughs> Like, he is probably, like, holding a sword aloft and, like, let's go! Well, and that's how, like, you get horses to go, so. Yeah. And he is, is half a horse. That is funny. <laughs> Thank that you is for pausing so that we could appreciate, appreciate that moment. That. <laughs> okay, back to the seriousness, because someone's about to die. Spoiler. So it is a centaur, so. Spoiler! <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I thought, thought, thought you were talking about Lena. That's not a spoiler either. Yeah. We all read it. I know. Anyways, continue. Okay, so <laughs> Athira knows that Kendra has the stone, and so she takes one of her tendrils and grabs Broadhoof with it. And because when she touches anyone with her tendrils, it turns them dark, it starts to turn him in the dark. But then, since Kendra is on him and touching him, she's healing him, and so Broadhoof gets stuck in between these battling forces of lightness and darkness, and Literally. it kills him. Which is really depressing. It's really sad. Because, like, yeah, Broadhoof was very stubborn and arrogant and was, was willing to kill Seth in a duel. choice words I could call him. Yes. But he didn't but deserve to die. No, he didn't deserve to die. It happens so quickly that, mm-hmm. like, Kendra doesn't even know that it's happening until it's, it's happened. It's, like, it's interesting to see also, like, because you have, like, the initial con- contact... Where, like, it's, like, flat, fluttering back and forth. Mm. And then Kendra, like, feels the, feels, like, sees the pebble growing brighter. So she, like, opens her hand and she's, like, let it glow, let it glow. And Afira, like, um, what's the word? Like, replies, um, counters. Afira counters by wrapping even more of the shadowy uh, tendrils around him. And so, like. tense on each side. Yeah, it gets, it's, like, it's just, like, it's, like, this, it's, like, you're pulling and pulling at a rubber band. Like, oh, and from these two good, contrasting yeah. forces, and where is it going to snap? In the middle. In the middle. Actually, I'm not 100% sure on that. Physics majors may correct well. me, but... <laughs> uh, for you the get metaphor, my point. Works, for the fine. metaphor. And it's just like, it's like, that's where... Like, and so he was just caught in the middle, and he just mm-hmm. could not... He couldn't take it. His, and, like, they address it a little bit later. Like, we're going to talk about it later. Like, Kendra has a lot of grief. Guilt. Just for like ev- and guilt for what happened. She's like Broadhoof. If I just gotten off him earlier, he mm-hmm. could have been spared. And Patton just goes up to her and he's like, "We were dealing with unexplored forces. This was completely new territory for everyone involved. Nobody yeah. knew what was going to happen. All we knew is that if we t- if whoever touched the nail to the stone would die." Mm-hmm. That's all we knew. We did not know that if and somebody's trapped in between them, that could kill them. And the only reason that they knew that is because the fairy queen told them that. Mm-hmm. It's not like that they knew that beforehand. Yeah. So, like, are there things you could have done differently? Yes. But did you do the best you could based on the information that you had? Yes. Yeah. And so it's just, like, really interesting seeing, like, these new aspects of the world explored. Not even just for us, but, like, for the characters. Like, everybody here is dealing with something new and... Nobody knows how it's going to end except for Brandon Mole. <laughs> and even <laughs> then, he probably didn't figure out. Pulling the strings. <laughs> He's the puppet master. So now we start our... our uh, Intense game of keep away. Yes. And so we find out that... like, So Kendra gets touched by a ribbon. The ribbon um, evaporates. It doesn't change her. It doesn't ev- change her. And so... And it doesn't kill her. 
unlike Broadhoof, it does not kill Kendra. It destroys the ribbon. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Though, like, Kendra's, like, I mean, the, the stone is, like, part of the source of energy, but, like, so is Kendra, so I, like, wouldn't expect it to kill her. Yes. I just thought, I thought it was interesting. It is interesting that, that it, like, changes the tendril. Mm-hmm. And, like, later, like, Afira, Kendra gets the stone again, and Afira's trying to, like, touch her directly. Like, it seems like the tendrils are more, like, external. Um, yeah. So, if she had touched her with her hand, would that have been more... Probably would have been more intense. I don't know. Would that... That might have killed Kendra. Maybe. I might have killed both of them. True. I'm not sure. So, Kendra, after changing the tendril on accident, because she didn't know that was going to happen, she throws the pebble to Patton, and he catches it, and then... Lena and Coulter are trying to catch up to Patton. And after that, Afira starts to use her fear to, like, try and immobilize Paralyzing everyone. fear. Yeah, yeah, her paralyzing fear to immobilize everyone. And it works on Lena, Coulter, almost on Kendra. Patton can still move. And I love how Seth's just like, I'm going. Yeah. I am unaffected, so I'm just going to go. <laughs> Seth's like, this is my turn. <laughs> Suck at Kendra. I can move. My turn to be cool. <laughs> And so he goes and grabs Patton's hand, and then they continue toward the tree. And they're so close. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, so this time Patton touches the fabric with the stone directly. Mm-hmm. And that... that um, gets rid of another tendril. That gets another, another fa- piece of fabric. So it seems like the stone against the fabric, the stone wins. Yeah. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> It is kind of like rock, paper, scissors. It's like rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Sorry, that was just like... That's funny. <laughs> so, stone beats fabric. Fabric beats... beats broad hook. <laughs> <laughs> that was so mean! Sorry. <laughs> well, fabric and stone beat broad up. <laughs> Nail beats Lena. <laughs> that was way worse. No one likes centaurs. <laughs> I'm sorry, your face. I, I, I just knew it was going to get a reaction. I had to do it. I know how to push buttons. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty awful. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. All right, continuing on. Um, okay, so... So that um, destroying another fabric hurts Afira. Pa- the, the paralyzing fear gets kind of, like, retracted. And so, like, Coulter and Lena can now move again, but now we're bolting forward ahead again. And, like, Patton's, like, hold... I love how he's, like, he's running forward, holding the stone up like a... And he's, like, ah, charge! Yeah, it's, he's trying to reach forward as yeah. far as he can with Also, it. it's, it's a rock. <laughs> like, I just yeah. see him charging forward with the stone held forward threateningly, and I'm, like, it looks like a little egg. <laughs> like, is that really that threatening? But okay. <laughs> Except it is. <laughs> <laughs> he gets to ten feet... And, um, I love how Patton's, like, he doesn't even want to risk Seth getting close. Mm -hmm. So even though the fear is coming back, he lets go of Seth and says, get back to Kendra, help her, and, like, always defend the kids. And, like, even though, like, paralysis is, like, he's about to be, like, enveloped, he he shoots the 
rock forward within 10 feet for the na- he aims for the nail and it, Kendra says it's on a perfect trajectory to hit the nail like he throws it perfectly that it's going to hit but then when it gets close it's like a magnet it's like two magnets mm-hmm. that are is it the same or opposite that no it's the same the like same two okay. magnets who are charged with the same the charge. same charge it like it's the word like Repels. Repels. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, you can think of it. They repelled each they other, repel Kendra each other said. Because they are literal opposites. So. And that's why you need someone to. Yeah. To, to you need someone to be. Lay down on the wire. Uh, I don't know if the vessel was the right word. Like to touch it to. To be the conductor. Conductor. I feel like that's better than the vessel. sacrifice. The sacrifice. <laughs> I was going to say to just to, to lay down on the wire right before he's changed. Now that he's like on the ground paralyzed, Patton pulls out a, the box and lets the three fairies that volunteered to try and connect the stones out. Mm-hmm. And they dart over to the stone, try to pick it up. Nothing. Um, Well, she tries to pick it up and it says she touched it. Her natural glow increased a hundredfold, gleaming brightly. She fell to the ground, apparently having fainted. Yeah. Same. All all three of the fairies are down. They the, just the energy's too much for the fairies. Mm-hmm. They're too small. They can't handle it. Yeah. And so Stormbro Brow, the dark centaur, who we met when we first arrived. Yeah. At the dark realm. He was like one of the first dark centaurs mm-hmm. that got changed. Um, and he is oh happy. Uh, turned light again, and yeah. he's like a nice. Uh, <laughs> he's probably disoriented. <laughs> he has a nice white uh, coat dappled with gray. I can already picture it. Beautiful. Nice. And the poor guy, he only gets like two seconds. Two seconds of freedom before, like, so. Um, Kendra like calls for the stone, and Stormbrow chucks it to her, and literally like two seconds later, he's changed back by Afira, and I'm like, thanks for helping while you had it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you did what you could. Good job, dude. <laughs> Yeah, so Coulter manages to flick the stone to Kendra, whilst Lena is asking Seth to help to free her from the fear. Yeah, because like yeah, because he if he touches somebody, it, it helps him. And so uh, Coulter shoots the thing to Lena. Coulter shoots the rock to Kendra. Kendra grabs it, and. Um, Afira's coming at her, and... We have a picture of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually a sick picture. It's like, oh, man, dang. <laughs> so Afira starts coming at Kendra, and Kendra's not affected by the fear when she's holding the stone. In that moment, like, we see that Lena had used the time that she had with Seth to circumvent Afira and get close to the tree again, mm-hmm. and she calls to Kendra, throw the pebble. And at the same time, Kendra feels a hand wrap around her ankle, and it's Patton. He had crawled over to her. Because he had been changed to yeah. a shadow person. He so. changed to a shadow person. Only so. Seth knew where he was at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and so now he's changed back, and he's looking up at her and, like, holding his hand out, being like, give me the stone. But he's on the ground, like, doesn't have – he's not in the right place, doesn't have the right energy, you know. But he's he, still, he like – He would try. You he know would he would try. his – he would give his life, like, trying. Not, like, just to, like, touch the stone, but, like, he would do everything that he possibly could. Mm-hmm. And I can just see, like, I can, I'm just going to read a little bit of that paragraph. Yeah. Um, she, she saw Patton on his hands and knees. His face looked drawn as if all vitality had been sapped away. He held up a hand, silently offering to take the stone. 
Like, because we know from Coulter that, like, trying to even get close to Kendra while in this state is excruciating. That's true. And so, and even, like, they're out in the sunlight right now, so they're in pain. Mm-hmm. Well, and just this, like, this moment, it's so heart-wrenching because you have Lena and Seth over there near the the tree, and Lena's like, throw me the stone. And then you have Patton right next to you being like, give me the stone, and Kendra has to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And I love how it even points it out. There was no time to make a calm, reasoned choice. Yeah. So she's like, if Afira touched her, the spectral woman might destroy the stone, leaving the metal of the nail and the cur- of the nail and Coruscant un- irresolvable. Because like maybe it'll kill Afira if Afira touches Kendra, but there's yeah, there's so many unknowns. There's so many. Like again, we're working with complete new things. Patton can't make it. The only option is Lena. And honestly, mm. even if you do sit down for, like, if you do pause time using the chronometer yeah. and just sit down for, like, an extra, like, to think for an extra 10 minutes, there's still no other choice. Mm. That the was se- the only choice to save everyone mm-hmm. with what had happened. Yeah. Without risking everything. Yeah. And I, I really feel for Kendra because, like, later she feels such guilt over this. We haven't even but, mentioned what it is. Yeah. So here, I'll finish it now. <laughs> Kendra throws a stone. Lena catches it. And with Seth, she gets close to the tree. And then when she's, like, close enough, she, like, I think she, like, pushes Seth aside mm-hmm. to make sure that he's, like, far away. And she approaches the tree and the nail. And the tree starts to, like, tremble. Because I think, I don't know, it, like, feels its doom coming. You see, like, it says, like, the, the, the roots are shaking and, like, moving. Um, branches arched down to block her. Yeah. And Because, she... I mean, it is Kurosok. Kurosok is inhabiting that tree. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, Patton extended a feeble hand oh. toward his wife. No, he whispered. Kendra had never heard a word sound more forlorn, more defeated. A few yards from the trunk, Lena shoved Seth away. She met Patton's gaze for a moment, her eyes tender, a half-smile on her lips, and sprang. It hurts me. She touches the stone to the nail. We know all, we all know what happens in that instant. Fairy Queen was right. Really? Yeah. And then the paragraph after we get the description of what happens after Lena uh, connects the two um, talismans. And I think it's a really, like, interesting visualization. And I would – I'd really love to see this in, like, an adaptation. I think it would be a really cool Mm -hmm. thing because it says, For an instant, all light and all shadow seem drawn into those two objects – as if the world had imploded to a single point. And then a shockwave raided outward, light and dark, hot and cold. The shockwave did not strike Kendra. It passed through her, momentarily stripping away all thought. Every particle of her body vibrated, especially her teeth and bones. Silence followed. Do you know in episode two of Star Wars, Boba Fett, oh, Jango Fett has like those like gravity detonators uh, yeah like it has like that sound the, and that oh, feeling i don't know what they're called but like like he, he t- like he's trying to get obi-wan and so like he drops them and you see the detonation 
Yes. And then just like, that's what I kind of picture right here. Like, just like that moment of silence. And then, and you just like, like if you're in a theater, if you have surround sound, you feel it in your chest. Just like seeing like the ripple of just like light, just like pulse outward. And like, just like the sound hits you in the gut. That's what I picture there. They're called seismic charges, apparently. That's it, seismic charges. And I feel like there's another thing that Boba Fett uses. Anyway, that is kind of like visually, it's just like, boom. And it's That's just what like I picture. Out. That's what I picture. But it'd be so interesting because, I don't know, like artistically, like you could like make everything almost like black and like intensely light or dark Ooh. and then have it like go out in like a shockwave. Have like light go out in a shockwave. That would be sick. Because it's like the light consumes the dark and then it like goes out in a shockwave. I think that'd be cool. And also, I love how what it does to Afira. Like, Ke- mm-hmm. once Kendra recovers the sensors, she sees Afira crouched before her, no longer spectral and inhuman, a frightened woman draped in black rags. Her lips parted as if to speak, but she uttered no sound. Her wide eyes blinked twice. Then the remnants of her black robes deteriorated and her body aged until she dissolved into a cloud of dust and ash. Villains always get dusted, don't they? They do. They do. She got Thanos. Thanos, mother Gothel. Like, (laughs) hey, I forgot about that one. It really, like, seriously. Voldemort. Voldemort. (laughs) So then we see all the dark creatures who had been turned dark have been restored to their normal countenances. And then the ones that were always dark, like the Cyclops, they kind of like run away. <laughs> oh, crap. We're outnumbered again. <laughs> kind of like in Return of the King, which also shockwave when, <laughs> when Sauron is destroyed and it's like a shockwave and it like destroys like Mordor in the Black Gate. And you see like the orcs like running away. Anyway, it's kind of mm-hmm. what it's like too. And like we find like um, Kurosok ha- is um, a big slimy shadowy lump of mush. The tree mm-hmm. has been torn asunder. Patton surged to his feet and staggered a few steps before tumbling to the stony ground. He rose again and fell again. Finally, clothes torn and smudged, he proceeded on hands and knees until he reached Lena, pulling her to him and cradling her in his arms, rocking her limp body as he clung to her, shoulders heaving. What a way to end the chapter. That's like one of the saddest things I've ever read. Like just like picturing him just like struggling just to get to her. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say either. (laughs) Like we're just looking at each other right now. Just like I think the only really other thing to talk about with the rest of this is Kendra's. Well, there's only one more chapter. Yeah, there's one more chapter after this. And uh, it's mostly I mean, just... we're feeling how Kendra's feeling. Yeah. She, oh, except not as intense. Yeah. Because it's, like, three days later, she's sitting out in, like, the garden. Everything has been restored, basically. All the creatures. They found the rest of her family, um, like, locked away in, like, a place in the woods. But, like, somehow a dryads found them and let them free. Um, the brownies had... <laughs> Fix up the house that they <laughs> tore booby trapped, booby trapped, and um, it's like Patton's last couple hours before he goes mm-hmm. back to his time, and Ken- and it's also the day that Kendra and Seth are leaving to go back home. Mm-hmm. 
to their parents. And so Kendra is just sitting out in the garden being alone. She just cannot be around people right now. She's just feeling all the feels. Like, she just cannot. And she hears someone. Sorry. An interesting thing before that, she says she overheard a few fairies lamenting the loss of their darkened state. Which is kind of concerning. Um, But also the fact that she says only those creatures who had enjoyed being dark retained any memory of the experience. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I feel like that's a discussion for another time, but I just thought that was interesting. That is interesting. And so as she's like sitting out there, she hears someone coming toward her and she's like, she wants them to go away. She's like, no, another person's going to try and come cheer me up and I don't want to be cheered up right now. But then she sees Patton and she's like, okay, I can talk to Patton because he's in more of a world of hurt than I am. And of course, because he's the only one, like he's the one who's feeling this as hard as she is. Like he's feeling just the pure loss and grief, whereas Kendra's feeling the guilt. Yeah. And so he, of course, he's the only like she because she also. I imagine she feels guilty for the hurt that she's causing him. And oh, I think that's yeah. like he is the like physical like the only literal manifestation of her grief that she has right now. Like she sees him like of her guilt right now. Mm-hmm. Like if like every time she sees him and how hurt and how much pain he's going through she feels guilty because in her head it's her fault well and also when you see pat and you think of lena because mm-hmm. they're inseparable mm-hmm. so and now i think that's honestly why he's the only one who is successful in cheering her up mm-hmm. as we see yeah like, he talks about a lot of the same things that we did like everything here was unknown there was no way to know that if you had tried to go forward if you fear wouldn't have killed you we don't know that mm-hmm. like if I had tried harder, I might have been able to do it. Like, he just goes through all of these things, all of these what, I, what, yeah. what ifs, and just tells her, you need to stop. We did the best we could, and this was that we just have to live with this now. And I think coming from Patton, he, like you said, he was, like, the only person that could have helped her in this moment because, like you said, it, like, it affected him so directly because he's, like, Lena's husband and he cared for her more than anyone else in the world. And hearing from him that he doesn't blame her, because that's probably probably in like the back of her mind, like a little voice saying, you know, they're going to hate you because you chose to give it to Lena. Because it's, your, it's fault. your fault. So you killed her. That's probably some of the things that are running through her mind. And a lot of the same things that were running through her mind after Lost Mesa. With Neil having died True. because he was injured after having saved her. He was on the Mesa to look after her. That's true. Like, it's a lot of repeated themes from the Mm -hmm. very beginning of the book where she's just, like, it's just been compounding, like, moment after moment. Like, she also, like, at the very end of this, she feels guilty because, surprise, surprise, the Sphinx is actually a traitor, and he used an artifact that she recharged to escape when Dugan and the lieutenants confront him. That's true. Like, she just, she is getting hammered time and, and time for Broadhoof again. Too. She feels dra- guilty about Broadhoof. The thing so is that things. Kendra's the type of person that will, like, take the blame on herself. Like, she'll feel like if she didn't do something perfect. She's a perfectionist. Yeah, she's a perfectionist. So she's, she doesn't do something perfect. 
she fell completely and it's all her fault. Mm -hmm. And so that's how she's feeling is that if she had just made a different decision, you know, she's like going through those like what ifs in her brain is that if she'd made a different decision, if she had done it herself or if like what if this, what if that, it could have been different. And that just, it's a good thing that Patton goes and talks to her or else that would just completely tear her apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also, I love Patton. Like he's like, I'm done grieving, which let's be honest, probably isn't hundred percent true, but like at no. the very least he's made, he's moved on to yeah. under the face. But like what he says here, I must go forward. I have a, I have a new errand, a fresh quest. And like, you can just hear the world's greatest adventurer say this. And you're like, you know, he's going to dedicate 110% to this quest. And what is it? To love Lena for the rest of her life as much as she deserves to never again doubt her love or mine to give her my whole self every day without fail to keep secret how her life will end while forever honoring her sacrifice. I am in a unique position position to have lost her and yet to have her still. Like, no wonder, like, can, like, Lena says at the beginning, like, oh, I remember that little spat. After that, we hit our stride. You treated me like a queen. Mm-hmm. All these things. And, like, can you imagine how much this hurt him? Like, just going back to see her, he probably gave her the biggest hug and probably started yeah. crying. And Lena just had to hold him being confused. Yeah, she's probably like, he was like, probably just like sobbing out these apologies. Like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She's like, it's it's okay. I didn't really care that much about the drapes. Yeah. But it's not about the drapes. And, like, thinking about Patton and how, like, passionate he is and how just all in he is on everything... I'm really glad that this was a version of Patton who still had Lena to go back to. Yes. Because if Lena had died and that was like the only Lena that he had, he would have just spiraled and it would have been awful. I don't think he could have ever recovered. He probably he would not have. be the he would not be the adventurer. No, he wouldn't have gone on to do all his ventures. And also, I think this really humbled him. Yeah. Like before this, he has been a bit, you know, cocky but like in a good way like he never crosses the line into being like arrogant Mm -hmm. but like you know he he's like i'm good i know i'm good yeah but i imagine after this like like he he couldn't save lena his the love of his life and that's gonna humble you that's gonna remind you hey you're human and everybody around you is human it's also gonna haunt him haunt him yes and it just, I think humble is in a good way. Well, not like a good, but like a more growth mindset yes. way, but haunting as in like, it's going to hold him. Like there's always going to be a part of him that is kind of dead inside because of it. Yeah. Like, the reason that he probably doesn't take Lena along to his adventures is just because he That's cannot true. risk losing her again That's because he knows point. how much it hurts. Yeah. Goodness, it hurts. But yeah, Patton's like, even though he's gone through this grief, he's like, just the last few things. He's like, I talked with Vanessa this morning. Well, that, yeah, that's he's like, super interesting. I couldn't crack her, but I think she's useful. And he says, I think she has some more secrets to offer. So don't, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah, she might give them up in the future. He also tells her about his journal of secrets, which I thought was, I remember reading that. I was like, oh, nice callback. Like, where he's like, I have a journal of secrets. It's in that umite wax that mm-hmm. Vanessa showed you that can only be shown in a certain light. 
I love that he's like, I have an audience now to write <laughs> to. <laughs> and then also at the very end, he's like, keep an eye on that brother of yours. If he doesn't get himself killed, he might save the world one day. <laughs> and then Patton yeah. runs off. And I love that he goes to the pond as his last. Yeah, that is. He's like, I'm going to go to the pond, this last place where we were both, where, where I met where her. Where comes from. Like where he, where they met. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where he wants to disappear and reappear, I'm assuming. I don't know. Maybe he reappears yeah, back in the mansion. Yeah, he probably goes back to the mansion. Obviously. That's a good point. But yeah, <laughs> I still love Pat- Seth's little comment right here. After like Kendra goes back in, they have like they're like do a little surprise birthday party, even though it's not a birthday party in for like months. And he's like, yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. And Seth like leans in close. Did Patton cheer you up? He promised he would. He did. Man, that guy can do anything. <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> Seth's hero worship is getting a little out of control, but I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, There's a lot to worship. Mm-hmm. So I love that Dugan's at the party, and I love how we transition into the more business, um, the business portion of this yeah. meeting. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, he just looks at Newell and Dora, and he's like, no. He's like, uh, we're going to have a private conversation, and some people need to leave. <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nod. And I love, I love Newell and Doran's response to this, because Newell goes, my finely tuned social weather vane is detecting a hint. Yeah. <laughs> Doran, maybe we should remove ourselves for a few minutes. So discuss a few secrets of our own. And as they're heading out of the room, big secrets. The kind of secrets that would keep you up at, light, uh, up at night, gnawing at your fingernails. Yeah. Secrets that would curl your hair. I just love, like, the satyrs just being, like, salty that they have to leave. But Dugan doesn't yeah, give a crap. Yeah, Dugan's He's like, like, I'm not giving no. you guys the tea. <laughs> this is top secret information. Mm-hmm. And top so. secret it be. So well, top yeah. secret, which is the secret that was out last book, but <laughs> wasn't quite sure if it was a real secret. Mm-hmm. Meaning, the Sphinx is a traitor. And surprise. And also, Dugan's a big fat liar. Yeah, he, but he did it because he thought he was doing it for good. Yeah. <laughs> so, because Dugan said that the Sphinx was not the captain of the Knights of the Dawn. Yeah, he was, but. Like he had, he had promised to protect that secret, and so, yeah. And I really like how Warren, the way Warren gave Dugan the information at the beginning of this book, was so well done. Like it mm-hmm. let Dugan figure it out. Yeah. It let him come to his own conclusions without feeling like he was being manipulated or coerced. It's true. And like, like, like as a teaching major, like that's how t- kids learn the best. Like you give them the information and you let them sort it out for themselves. Like, especially in, like, in math. Like, you give them the problem, and you let them figure it out with the tools that they already have, and along the way, they'll invite their own tools, and that's the process that they'll remember and trust in their head. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a, I'm sorry. That's a great metaphor. I Thank just, you. when you said, it's like a teacher, I just imagine <laughs> Dugan being, like, holding, I mean, Warren holding Dugan's hand and being, like, leading him through. <laughs> Is that not what happened? <laughs> I just think it's kind of a funny visual in my mind. <laughs> I think You're it was more wrong. like, Warren... He's a smart guy. He knows how to be, like, an adventurer, but also kind of, like, a spy. Like, he's mm-hmm. kind of, like, a... Maybe better than a jack-of-all-trades, because jack-of-all-trades is master of none, but... You know, he's master of all. He's pretty good at a lot of different things. He's king of and all so trades. so, I feel like he gave Dugan enough information... Well, information that he wanted to give Dugan, and enough to pique Dugan's interest mm-hmm. for him to lead his own investigations. Mm-hmm. I feel like... It went. It turned out 
good. That eh. I, I I mean in the eh. best bad way possible because now that they know he's a traitor, but now they don't have a traitor within their midst leading them anymore. So yeah, but now they uh, he's a traitor and <laughs> he knows all their secrets. So and that's Sphinx is a traitor. Who can they actually? Yeah, trust? who else can be a traitor? Yeah, exactly. When literally the captain of the Knights of the Dawn is yeah. the, the only person who knows every single Everything. member of the o- our organization. Yeah. Like, the the four lieutenants didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And so... And, and the captain's the only one that knows everyone. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, now that the thing. lieutenants are working together now, they'll probably know everybody. Yeah. But, like... They're doing away with secrecy. Like, like not knowing everybody. A little late for that. But, <laughs> yeah... It is. I like how they figured it out as well, like, because Warren told them about the Sands of Sanctity that the Sphinx had taken from Fablehaven, Mm -hmm. and that was, like, Dugan's biggest red flag. Like, I didn't know about this. Yeah. We were supposed to be told about this. Why why didn't he tell us? And that's what... That's what made them confront the Sphinx. And can we just talk about the Sphinx's absolute confidence... Cause like when he when like they when all four lieutenants come up to him and they're probably all very capable fighters. Oh yeah, they're like lieutenants they're, for a reason. They're lieutenants for a reason. Like all four of these guys come up to him. Like he doesn't even protest when they're naming the, their suspicions, giving the accusations. He just stands <laughs> up and says, "I'm disappointed. It took you this long to figure it out. Bye." That's like a banger of a villain line. Right? <laughs> Be like, I'm disappointed that it took you this long to even suspect me. He sounds like a disappointed I thought you were a better teacher. foes than that, basically. Yeah. Like, I thought you would put up more of a fight. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, honestly, without Vanessa, nobody would have suspected him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, at this point, I almost think the Sphinx is like, oh, finally, I get to f- I get to flex a little he bit. He gets more of his chess game that yeah. he's been playing. And thinking about, like... Dugan's side, I think just, like, for an adaptation, it would almost be interesting to, like, see this go down instead of just hearing Dugan talk about it. Maybe at least see part of his investigation, like, investigating the Sphinx. I almost think that would be an interesting thing to see Novella, in, like, an adaptation. Dugan Fisk. I mean, like, a TV show. Like, if this ever... Oh. When this gets made into a TV show. I keep saying when. I <laughs> always say it because it's going to happen one day. I think it would be really interesting, like, just, like, thinking adaptation-wise... It might be interesting to, like, for them to show that part of, like, Dugan doing his own investigation, you know? I don't know. I think that might be kind of fun. So I'm kind of sad that the werebear's dead. Like, a man just, like, so when the Sphinx escapes, yeah. he transports out and a man takes his place. And an important part of that is that he uses the rods that he had Kendra like recharge in book two in book two yep like the rods that like you switch places with whoever's holding the other rod so there's two of them and that's how he got away and so kendra feels kind of guilty even more guilty you know Goodness, she's having a hard girl. week <laughs> she feels more guilty because she recharged the rods and so that helped the sphinx get away but i i do like grandpa's like point here like if he hadn't had the rods he would have found another way. Exactly. This man. It was too just good. one of the many tricks up up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then more bad news. Yeah, Lost um, Mesa. Yeah, Dugan tells them that Lost Mesa has been overthrown, and it was done by a dragon, a coppery dragon, and they realized that it was Shalice, the dragon from the vault, and then, uh 
Aviviplex resurrected some zombies to help, and now the the only survivors from Las Mesa are Hal and Mara. Everyone else died, which is, like, so sad. So just another disaster, another preserve gone. Like, Rosa was awesome. She was always so, like, helpful when they were there at the beginning. But, nope. She's gone. And, man, that hurts so much. Like, and it's another, like, Kendra says, like Vanessa told us, when the Sphinx commits a crime, he burns down the neighborhood to cover his tracks. And it's just, it's so disheartening for these people because, well, they just survived their own disaster, but now they know for sure that the Sphinx is their worst enemy and that's such a big blow to them in their, like, community. And then to lose another preserve. And then Dugan is probably, like, he doesn't know that they have the chronometer. Yeah. And so he probably thinks that the Sphinx also has that. And so, like, they just, you know, their situation is getting worse, worse. and worse by the day. So just for a quick tally, um, Brazil, done. done. We yeah. don't know what happened to that one's artifact. Yeah. But... Suspicious. assume it's the society. Yeah. It's, it's assumed that they have it. And then um, Fablehaven, Sands of Sanctity. Mm-hmm. Sphinx got it and almost destroyed the entire preserve, like... Twice. Seriously. Basically. like By the skin of their teeth, they survived this one. Yeah. <laughs> and Las Mesa is now done as well. Mm-hmm. And we do have the artifact from there. But only the people at Fablehaven know that. I think we're at, like, a tally of, like, six, seven people know that. So... Yeah. <laughs> keep it small. Keep it tight. Oh, oh, Seth, you killer line right here. Um, is there reason to suspect Hal or Mara for being the survivors? And Dugan says, some suspicion must fall on the survivors of any calamity, but they made contact with us voluntarily, and their grief over Rosa and the others seems, seemed sincere. If you ask me, the culprit name is ma- remains nameless, and here goes Seth, or he's named after an Egyptian monument. <laughs> go, Seth! Good one. <laughs> like, you say it bitterly, but top-tier line. line. Way to go, buddy. It was a good line. So, yeah, they're just all depressed, being like, well, we don't really know how to move on from this other than try to move on. I don't know. Right after that, Kendra says, after taking what he wanted from Fablehaven and Las Mesa, he tried to wipe out both preserves, Kendra said numbly. He failed here, Grandma said, as he is destined to fail in the end. Kendra wished her words sounded less hollow. So, like, Grandma's trying to, like, bring them up a little bit, but, you know... 50-50 50-50 does not guarantee our survival, Grandma. Actually, no, it's more... Uh, Even 50-50? No, it's 66-33. Out of the three 60. preserves oh. that have been taken out, out of the three preserves that have had artifacts... you going three or five? I'm, I'm saying the three that have now been discovered oh. and the Sphinx had his fingers in, two of them fell. Only Fable even survived. It's fair. So it's 66-33 in my account. Mm-hmm. And by Dugan's count, he thinks the Sphinx has at least three of the artifacts. Yeah. So Dugan's probably just like, yeah, that's real cute, real cute. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best situation. But a little lightheartedness to end it. <laughs> Dugan has also brought a a letter for Kendra. A letter from her secret admirer, uh-huh. Gavin. And then Seth is like, happy birthday to you. <laughs> Voice full of implications. Yeah, being like, oh. Dear Kendra, Seth improvised, you're the only girl who really gets me, you know, and I think you're so very mature for your age. And I love Grandma just jumping at me like, how about some cake? And just glaring at Seth. Holding the first piece out to Kendra and glaring at Seth, being like, you shut up. Like, (laughs) be be nice to your sister. She's had a rough time. So 
right before they leave, uh, Grandpa gives Kendra the Journal of Secrets so she can keep reading it and, like, looking into it. And, and he explains that he'll have some of the Knights of the Dawn watching over Kendra and Seth while they're at home back with their parents to keep them safe. And it will always be, one of them will always be Warren, Tanu, or Coulter. So it's someone that they know that they can trust, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like he's trying to take it really seriously that like, you know, they're leaving Fayla Haven, but they want to keep them safe because all bets are off at the society. Yeah, like, I, I, I kind of love, but also hate Kendra's little comment here when she says like, I'm scared to go home. Like, I mean, the last time they were home, they were tricked by the Society in the Evening Star into feeding a little biscuit to a frog that almost killed Seth. There's good reason for her being nervous. And then the next part, this, there's like a paragraph I want to read um, from Kendra. She did not feel ready. After a great loss, after a difficult victory, after suffering extreme trauma, she wished she could have some time to hibernate. Not two days, two years. Some serious time to pull herself together. Why did life always have to roll relentlessly forward? Why did every victory and defeat followed... Why was every victory and defeat followed by new worries and new problems? Adjusting to high school would be hard enough, let alone worrying about what new plots the Sphinx might be hatching and how Navarog the Demon Prince might factor into them. We just gotta take a moment to talk about how much trauma Kendra and Seth have been through. through That they both have been through over the past, like, two summers. Going from a normal life to this crazy magical world where people die, there's good guys and bad guys, and they're trying to, like, take over the world, and Mm -hmm. you, like, don't know what's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. The one person they thought they could trust, that they did trust with some of their biggest secrets, like, they trusted him with the Sands of Sanctity, with the Fablehaven artifact. They trusted him with diagnosing Kendra. And what was going on with her? They trusted him when he released the prisoner from the quiet box and it turned what out to, to be Navarog. Like, they trusted him in so many ways and he just stabbed them in the back so hard. Mm-hmm. And now, well, she is... They all have trust issues. Like, mm-hmm. can't trust anyone, it seems like. This is... Ken- what What birthday is this of Kendra's? Like, how old is she now? Is she 15 uh, now? That's a good question. Because she said almost 14, think- right, in last book? I think she, yeah, she's got to be, she's got to be is, 15, This has got to right? be her 15th. Yeah. I think she probably says it, right? Mm, I'm not sure that they do. Neither do I. But yeah, I think she's turning 15. Yeah, because be. when, when Lena yeah. asked her how old she was in the first book, she said, like, she was are you 14? 14 she, 14. Said, yeah. she said, For, are you 14? I turn 14, like, next month. Yeah. That was, like, midsummer. Yeah. So this has got to be. Yeah, she's got to be turning 15. So yeah, in the she last She just turned 15 this oh, She's, in, in she's like about to turn 15. I mean, cuz the birthday party's early. Yeah, she says it says she's not going to have a but birthday for, for another month. For books 4 and 5, she's 15. She's 15 and Seth which is, seriously throws me off. And Seth's, and Seth's 13. 13, yeah. Yeah, we don't actually I don't think it says when his birthday is. Does it? I don't think it ever does. I don't think it ever comes up. Because they only, only talk about Kendra's birthday cuz it's like in the fall. Someone's got main character summer. syndrome. <laughs> Except Seth is also the main character. <laughs> I'm going to bet his might be spring. Yeah. I'm going to bet spring, because otherwise it might have come up oh, in, like, the fourth book. Yeah, it's definitely not in the summer. It's not in December. It's probably not in the fall. Yeah, it has to be in the spring sometime. Maybe May. We know he's, seven, <laughs> we know he's seventh grade. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's, he's, that's he's 12, 13. 13 range. Yeah, he's 13 in the last two. Anyway, they're, like, two years apart. So before they leave... 
Coulter takes Kendra's side and talks to her about the stick that she brought <laughs> back brought back from Las Mesa and tells her it is an authentic rain stick that can actually control the weather and make it rain. And he's like kind of telling her because he's uh, like a magical artifact specialist. And he, I think he's kind of, I almost imagine he's kind of being like, Kendra, this is like amazing, <laughs> this thing that you have. And she's like, okay, cool. And then she just takes it with her, but I don't think she really... Understands what she under- has. Yeah, understands what she has. Now she has an authentic rain stick from Las Mesa. So Seth is making his way out of the house, and he, it says, in the doorway, Seth dropped his emergency kit. It seemed to land with an unusually heavy clunk. clunk. Looking guilty, he picked up the box hurriedly and went out the door. I wonder what that could be in his emergency kit. I almost wish we had, like, one line from, like, where the bystanders or observers <laughs> just, like, just, like, a fond head shake. Like, that boy's going to get himself killed. Oh. Just, like, something. But I feel like if someone responsible saw him, they would investigate that. If it was Warren. Okay. Well, I said responsible. <laughs> True. I said responsible adult, not man child. <laughs> Lovable man child. We love you, Warren. Yeah, so Seth leaves, everybody else is out going ahead into the car, and Seth and Kendra finds herself alone. And of course, like every love struck teenager, she takes advantage of the moment. So, anyways, going on, he basically mentions, oh, I'm off on another mission, can't be there. Oh, um, uh, yeah. He talks quickly about the news from Dugan. And um, I got to hand it to him this little line. Guess why I like letters? No stuttering. Yeah, that was... <laughs> That's a good line. That was endearing. <laughs> That's solid. And then, like... He gets a little gushy at the a end. A little bit. You're an amazing person, Kendra. I want to know how much I've appreciated getting to know you. You knew each other for, like, a week. He appreciated that week, apparently. <laughs> and he say, This kid's 16, right? Yeah. She's 14, he's 16. But, like, it says, hopefully I'll get a turn standing guard over you and your brother in the fall. The boy was raised by dragons. I don't think he's in the school system. <laughs> that's fair. I think he lives on his own. That's very true. Actually, that's a very fair point. <laughs> <laughs> you probably hadn't thought of that. <laughs> no, I had not. But so the most interesting thing is how he ends the letter. Most interesting to Kendra as well. Uh, and Seth. <laughs> Does he find it? Uh, I don't know. Well, he was just, you know, making fun oh, of yeah. her. <laughs> Anyways. It says, your friend and admirer, Gavin. Gavin. I love it. It says, Kendra reread the letter, then triple checked the part about her being amazing and wanting to get to know her better. I mean, she's doing the typical, like, teenage girl. She thinks the the guy likes her and is getting a little, you know, butterflies in the stomach and she's a little excited, you know? It's her first crush. So... And then she's like obsessing over the fact she didn't. He didn't just sign it. Your friend. It was your friend and admirer. Yeah, admirer. <clears throat> and then the book ends with the smile tugging at the corners of her mouth. Kendra folded up the letter, slipped it into her pocket, and walked out the front door, marveling at how fine a line divided dreading the future from looking forward to it. Oh, ain't that the truth? That's a really hopeful way to end the book. Mm-hmm. I like it, especially considering who we ended the, the book talking about. Yeah. Especially how, like, the last book ended, you know, just with, like, Vanessa's secret, which turned out to be true, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, like I said, it was still a lot of trauma she went through in this book, but I'm I'm glad it ends on, like, a more hopeful note. So, 
now that we finished book three, we have to go through our favorites of the book or like things that we liked. Of this individual. Of book number were, three. Yeah. So what was your favorite scene in the book? See, I knew this was coming. <laughs> I knew this question was coming. We talked about it. It's this. hard though. <laughs> but I forgot to think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to choose one because this book is so good and we get Patton being amazing and it's so good. Do you have yours? Uh, I have I have a few. It's hard to narrow it down. <laughs> okay. Cuz okay, well this, this might help you. Let's do our favorite scene, our favorite character moment, and our favorite quote. Does that it's help all, you at all? No, I have so many. Okay, well then, but I'm thinking that this can help you choose different things. Like, if That's one fair. of your scene, favorite scenes also has one of your favorite quotes, then you can help you decide between the two. Mm-hmm. Favorite scene? I'm going to say Patton and Lena's reunion. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. It just makes me so That is happy. so cute. Oh. Like, I just, like, I was looking through, like, yes. I'm, like, just scrolling through the bottom where I can, like, just see all my bookmarks on, like, their pages. Like, I can't see what they are or, but I can see how many I made. And yeah. on that, like, one page alone, I have so many mm. just because it was such a good moment. Yeah. I expect I better go say hello to the missus. Mm. That's such a good part. I think my favorite scene is... Probably one of my favorite scenes is just our introduction to Patton when he pops up with the chronometer and then he like leads us on to the like the this the You must be one of the youngest safe crackers I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> leads him up onto the roof and it's just like, Come on, we're gonna jump off into the tree and Seth's like, What? And then he says, When Jump jumping's a sole option, option, you jump. That might also be my favorite quote. I, too. I was I was I was putting I that know. one on my list. <laughs> But since I use that for my favorite scene, I won't use it for my favorite quote. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we made that the name of, I think, this episode. <laughs> when, drop, when jumping's the sole option, you jump. And I just love, like, that whole that scene because it's it's short, but it just shows you who Patton is. And I just love that scene I just because I love Patton. So, yeah, I'm going to say that's my favorite scene. I also might be biased because it's been a while since we did the You know what I'm surprised you didn't say? Brownie Sunday. Yeah, you said multiple times. That is okay. Yeah, that's like my favorite chapter, but I don't feel like the entire series. There's so much. I didn't say it was the entire series. That was favorite chapter of my the entire book. Okay. So yeah, I think that's my favorite scene because I feel like we just get to know Patton. Like we already like know Patton, but we really like get to know him so fast, and I just love that. Okay, what's your favorite quote? It was an emergency. Read my lips. Emergency reading. Not some demented idea of fun. If I were starving, I would eat an asparagus. If someone held my, a gun to my head, I would watch a soap opera. And to save Fable Aven, I would read a book. Okay? Are you happy? You best be careful, Seth. The love of reading can be very contagious. Um, storms out. Grandpa comes in. What's eating him? Kendra accused him of voluntarily reading. Should I telephone the authorities? I'll not have my grandson subjected to the humiliation of his reading habit becoming public. We must cope. We we have to cope with this disgrace discreetly. Yeah, I'm going to say that's my favorite quote right there. That's a good quote. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just scrolling through looking for him, and I saw that one. I was like, yep, that's it. Yeah, that's a good quote. I love that quote. (laughs) So it's when Seth and Kendra are waiting at the opening of the hedge to see if any of the shadow people show up. 
Who do you think will show up? Hopefully all six of them. Kendra nodded. Too bad I won't be able to see them. Well, I guess one person can't have every single magical ability the universe has to offer. You aren't missing much. You can't really recognize them except by their outlines. I love that. That's, That's such a good, good quote. That's a really good one. It's a good one. I just think it's so funny. Seth's like, well, I get to do something for once. so I get to be special. I get to help. So this is my turn, Kendra. That's nice. I think that's a, that's a good quote. All right. All right. And I also have a character moment. Um, okay. What's your favorite character moment? Chapter 13, Secret Admirer. I was scrolling mm. through and I saw this one. I was just trying to think of a really good moment when, because I usually, like, especially for the, like, the, the character moments, it's usually going to yeah. involve Seth or Kendra because they are the main characters and they are the ones that we are kind of looking to for change and growth and just, yeah. like, solid character moments. And so right here, we don't, I don't know that we really have change or growth. Well, I think maybe we have, like, recognition of growth. Because right at the beginning, we have Seth kind of contemplating life and stupidity and courage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so this is when he says, like, he considered himself armed with useful definitions. Stupidity was when you took risks for no good reason. Courage was when you took a calculated risk in order to accomplish something important. Had he been stupid in the past? Sure. Peeking out the window on Midsummer Eve when he'd been warned not to look had been stupid. The only benefit had been to satisfy his curiosity, and he had never nearly gotten his family killed. This summer, he had taken some risks for flimsy reasons as well. Of course, when the risk didn't seem the risk seemed small, sometimes he didn't mind acting a little stupid. But he had also acted courageously. He had overdosed on a courage potion to s- confront the revenant in hopes of saving his family. That risk had paid off. Was sneaking out of the house to follow the shady, shadowy manifestations of Coulter and Tanu into the woods going to be dangerous? Absolutely. The question was whether the risk was justified. Love that. I do love that. I think that's a really good character moment for Seth. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's in this moment, I think, that we finally, like, we we have Seth recognize he is brave. Yeah. The only question is when he, whether he's being smart brave or stupid brave. Whether he's being smart Seth or idiot Seth. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> when he has title. to, yeah. <laughs> he has to fight that a lot, especially in the, well, throughout the, all of the books. But the I think. The first three, I think. Especially. I think, yeah, what, like, what you just read, I think is, like, a definite turning point for him, mm-hmm. you know, where he's starting to be like recognizing the smart and the idiot. Like he stops he, from this point. Mostly he stops making stupid. Yeah. He's not as reckless. He stops making stupid decisions and he is very courageous. Usually after this point, it's mostly his, like he's mostly being taken advantage of because of his innocence and ignorance. Mm-hmm. Naivety. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's just one one observation that I I think that's a really good character moment for Seth personally just being like I'm stupid I've been stupid but I've learned and this is what I've learned mm-hmm. I agree that's actually very interesting like the beginning of this book has a lot of character for Seth whereas the second half has a lot for Kendra that's true because mm-hmm. when she's at Lost Mesa she's not really growing she's very that much she's very there's she's like learning things. She is learning, but she is she is mostly she is not acting. She's being acted upon yeah. for the most part. Yeah, she's she's reacting. She's mostly a spectator for mm-hmm. a lot of things. Well, Seth is getting a lot more involved, even if his grandparents don't want him to be. Uh huh. And yet he's doing he, it he in smart himself. ways. So this, well, 
don't know if it's really like one character, but I just really like this moment. I feel like it does reflect a character. Okay, I mean, so my character moment comes from chapter six. It's called Plague. And it's the moment when Tawny was come back from scouting the meadow with Coulter, but oh. Coulter has disappeared and they don't know what happened to him. And then Grandpa has the moment of serious self-doubt where he's like yeah. completely doubting himself. And um, this is what he says. Grandpa sighed, bowing his head. When he raised it, he looked wretched. I worry that I'm unfit to continue as caretaker. Have I grown too old? Have I lost my touch? Perhaps I should resign and ask the Conservators Alliance to appoint a new overseer in my stead. It seems like we've had one catastrophe after another lately, with the people I love most paying the price for my incompetence. This isn't your fault, Tony said, resting a hand on his shoulder. I know you and Coulter are old friends. I'm not asking for sympathy, Grandpa said. I'm simply trying to be objective. I've been captured twice in the past year. The observe was taken to the brink of collapse each time. I may have been I may have become more of a hindrance than a help to Fablehaven and those who lived here. A fellow can't always avoid the tough circumstances, Dale said, but you can weather the trouble and come out on top. You've done it before and I expect you'll do it again. Grandpa shook his head. I haven't solved anything lately. If not for my grandchildren risking their lives along with help from the rest of you and a healthy dose of good fortune, Fablehaven would be in ruins. Seth had never seen Grandpa Sorensen so defeated. How could he revive him? He spoke up quickly. The first time, I caused all the trouble. The second time, Vanessa betrayed us. You never did anything wrong. And this time, Grandpa asked, his voice calm and sad, not only did I inadvertently let your sister end up on a dangerous mission thousands of miles away, I also sent my oldest friend to his grave. How did I miss the warning signs? The only thing that could have made you unfit to lead would be the belief in such nonsense. Tanu said gently. Yeah, clap for Tanu. Go Tanu. <laughs> Nobody could ever have seen this coming. You think Coulter or I would have approached the fairies so haphazardly if we had sensed the danger? These are turbulent times. Fablehaven has been under deliberate assault from formidable foes. You've come through it so far, and so have we. I've traveled far and wide, and I can't think of anyone I would rather have watching this preserve than you, Stan. I'll second that, said Dale. Don't forget who'd most likely end up assigning the new caretaker if you resigned without appointing a successor. The Sphinx guest Seth. His is the most trusted voice among the conservators. Coulter's probably alive somewhere, Tanu said. Pull, your, pull yourself together, Stan. We need a plan. Thanks, Tanu, Dell, and Seth. Grandpa pursed his lips, his eyes hardening. We need information. The Sphinx is proven to be unreachable. Given the extremity of our situations, of our, of our circumstances... I think it's time to investigate what Vanessa knows. So I was kind of long, but I worth think it, worth it. that is a really good moment because we see, you know, a lot has been happening at Fablehaven over the past two summers. And I think this is such an interesting moment to like see into grandpa's point of view. He's like the the caretaker and he's, you know, old and wise and knows all the wisdom and everything. But He's had to get help from his grandchildren who are like so young and he feels, yeah, and he feels so responsible for everything that's happening and he feels like he's just a failure. And then I just love how Tanu and Dale and Seth are like, no, that's, that's not your fault. Like no one else could have done any better Mm -hmm. and you're doing the best that you possibly can. And I just, I really love that moment because 
it gives more depth to grandpa instead of just being like, you know, this incompetent, you know, because I feel like sometimes in books, like the adults are like kind of incompetent and like the children have to. They're very one dimensional. Yeah. And like the children have to like save the day or whatever. But I feel like this conversation gives more depth to grandpa and like the situation as a whole. And Mm -hmm. I just, I really like that, that part. No, but I 100% agree. And I remember talking about this like four episodes ago. Yeah. We or four talking. months yeah, ago. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a hot minute. But like a lot of characters in this these books have to deal with guilt. A lot of them take the guilt upon themselves. So. Several favorite scenes and quotes, I think. Good, some very good quotes. ones. And I've been looking at the questions in the back. And there are Ooh, two. Yes. I was going to bring those up. That I want to talk about. Okay, no. Just one. Because we kind of already hit on one of them. Okay, this one is a little more fun. Question seven. Many (laughs) characters have assisted Kendra and Seth during risky situations, including Grandpa, Grandma, Dale, Lena, Tanu, Coulter, Warren, Gavin, Dugan, and Patton. If you were in trouble, which one of those characters would you most want on your side and why? So I'll say maybe this is much of a conversation. (laughs) Well, like, this almost makes me want to go and, like, you're making have a you bracket? Seen, yes! <laughs> Almost. But, like, have you seen, like, those things? It's, like, it has, like, a bunch of characters, and it has their, like, give, it gives them tiers. Like, $5, mm. full, $4, $3, yes. $2. It's like, oh, I have- saw one for Star Wars, and they had Chopper at $1, and someone was like, I'll spend all my dollars on Chopper. I just want 15 Choppers. <laughs> yeah. He's got it. <laughs> but imagine if we did that for this. Like, we could do that, yeah. Patton, and I think Warren would be, like, $5. $5. And then, hmm, I, I, oof. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make that one. Okay, fan but okay, that, uh, but Dale is one dollar. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, Dale fan. That's okay. Yeah, Dale, sorry, is one dollar. So okay, no, then let's rank them then. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, this this list right here. Yeah, let's rank this list as we know them, as characters. Nothing in the future. Dang it. Yeah, we can do the spoilery later, but <laughs> from the end of the third book, how would you rank them? Okay. And Lena's alive for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm putting Patton and Warren at, at number, number one. Yeah, they're number, the top. Number one and two. They are the most capable. Yeah, it goes Patton and Warren. <laughs> yeah. They are gonna they are gonna get you through any trap. They're, yes. they're gonna yeah. Oh yeah. Next, I would put probably Tanu or Gavin. I don't know. I feel like we need to see more Dugan. But what does Dugan actually do? I feel like he does more administration stuff. That's fair, but he's got to be capable at least. I mean, I mean, he was—he was holding his own against the rain people. Yeah, but I feel like Tanu's experience as a potion master makes him more valuable. Yeah, he breaks out one of those giant potions and and then Gavin like totally like kicks butt on top of the mesa. He does. And, like he's like very right. valuable and good doctor dragons. Coulter's just a little too old. Coulter, yeah. His knowledge is more worth it than mm-hmm. his. All right, I'll say trouble. Tanu, Gavin, Dugan. Okay, so one is Patton, two is Warren, three is Tanu, four is Gavin, five is Dugan. Mm-hmm. Ah, wait, no, where's Lena? Um, does Lena have a sword? <laughs> like does Patton have a sword? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Do they come as a package? <laughs> oh, seriously, you get one, you get the other. Their battle couple was probably on point. Um, I might put Lena before Dugan, honestly. Yeah, if she's like, it's like young Lena at the end of the yeah. book. Mm-hmm. I think I agree. This girl I feel kicks. like 
she's more physically capable. This girl kicks butt, takes names. Okay, how old do you think Dugan is, too? Because I picture him, like, kind of old. Maddox, <laughs> Maddox was the older brother, correct? I, I think, think so, I'm actually. Scrolling, I'm scrolling back to the beginning. I can't remember. When we have um, New Go Nights. Go to New Nights, First yeah. First Go to New Nights. Actually, though, I think, yeah, Dugan must be younger, isn't he? He's not. He's not he's decrepit. Not that, I don't think he's also that young either. I wouldn't put him younger than like 45. He had bushy red hair and freckles on his broad, broad brow. He was oddly familiar, but Kendra could not pr- place him. That's all we got for Dugan. Okay, so I'm just going to say like mid 40s. I'd, I'd place him maybe. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say late 30s. Mid 40s. Late 30s? Late 30s and mid 40s. Like there's a difference. Where, where's Warren? How old is Warren? I say he's like. Mid late to 20s? late 20s. At most. Because Dale's older. I picture Dale like 30. And Dale's yeah. older than him by a couple years at least. So I would say Warren's like somewhere between 26 and 28. Hang on, I'm going to see if it ever talks about Maddox. I think Maddox is older. He feels like he's older. More gruff, you know? Warren and I go way back, Dugan said. Since before you were a lieutenant, Warren lowered his vice voice um you've seen them captain without mass yada 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 how long is warren kendra kendra you've met dugan's brother his brother kendra asked then she realized why dugan looked familiar oh maddox that's right his last name was fisk dugan nodded it's he's not officially a knight hears his own drum beating too loudly for that but he's helped us out on occasion ah that sounds like an older brother right there yeah he sounds like that sounds like an older brother yeah yeah i think maddox i picture maddox like Mid thirties, Maddox. Mid thirties. Yeah, you said he was older. I th- I said okay. maybe older brother. That's what I said. I thought, but I, I you said you thought Dugan was like forty. Well, right here I think he's not officially, and I hears his own drum beating a little too loudly for that. For me, that sounds like an older brother describing a younger brother. Oh, I thought you meant that sounds like a older brother being described. Yeah. I could see it either way. That's true. Like, I could see it as the older brother who didn't get involved and then the younger brother who was like has a cause to... But also I could see that flipped. Yeah. It's like the younger brother going off doing his own thing and the older brother has his duty or whatever. You know who I kind of picture him to look like? And maybe this is why I think he looks older? The, the guy from Treasure Planet. <laughs> Silver? <laughs> yeah, Long John Silver. <laughs> Not exactly, but kind of like that kind of demeanor. I just watched that last Friday. You did? <laughs> it was wonderful. Okay, how do you picture Maddox? You know, because like he's kind of like a, you know, he's a fairy broker. He goes around, he lives tough and dirty, you know. I don't know, because it also describes like him as being like, he likes a good party. Like, he likes to Like a same. pirate. <laughs> I get the vibe that he's almost kind of like a pirate, <laughs> but not a pirate. But, you know, what vibe do you get from Maddox? No, I'm curious. I don't know. Like, ah. a stranger sat at the table along with Grandpa and Dale. The stranger stood by the after. He was taller than Grandpa and much broader with curly brown hair. The layers of furry skins he wore made him look like a mountain man. He was missing the bottom of one earlobe. Okay, that is leading a bit more into the... Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. So is he younger? Or maybe because I read these books when I was young, I just assumed that all the adults were old. <laughs> I mean, I did read this when I was like eight, 
or nine. So maybe I was just like, yeah, they're all old. <laughs> and that's just what's stuck in my brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I just. I can't see a guy who's like over forty, like going and traipsing through the jungle, like trying to find rare fairies or being successful. Then that would put him in like his thirties, and I just don't get that vibe. Cause like the way, I don't know. Like he's so like chummy with Grandpa. It doesn't feel like there's that. Like he like thirty forty year age gap, you know. If they've been if they've been friends for so long, like thirty just feels young. For them to have been friends for a long time. Because it feels like they've been friends for a while. Because if he's in his, like, 30s, I don't know, I guess maybe, like, 10 years. It just feels like he's, like, older. No, I I don't know <laughs> how old Maddox and Dugan are. Brandon! Confused. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this I'm like, is I'm okay. Like, I'm scanning pages right now trying to see. Adding this to the list. How old are Dugan and Maddox, and who is older and who is younger? Um, I'm going to say 30s for Dugan, maybe 40s for Maddox, just because I can't see... Like, this man... Like, Grandpa's not going to go into down into a vault um, f- looking for an artifact. Like, that's just not going to happen just because he's so much older, and it's not, not a good idea. They're going to send younger... Well, I don't think he's, like, the same age as Grandpa, but I'm thinking, like, forties to maybe early 50s at the most. I picture Dugan being, like, around Warren's age, honestly. Really? Yeah. Like, I kind of see, like... You think he's, like, around the same age as, like, Dale Warren, Dugan, and then, like, Maddox is Dale. Yeah, kind of. Really? That's kind of my vibe. Okay, so, yeah, maybe Dugan is, like, mid to late 30s, and Maddox is in his, like, 40s. I could buy that. I don't think Dugan is in his twenties. I don't. I don't. I don't buy that. All right. All right. Continuing on. All right. Do you still need to rank more? I'm writing down. We're not done ranking yet. Writing down the questions. I don't forget it. So so we go. Patton number one. War War number number two. two, Tanu Gavin. Lena Dugan. Dugan. And then. Grandma. So, nope. here's the question. Are grandma and grandpa above or below Dale? <laughs> well, don't forget Coulter as well. And Coulter. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is, okay, wait. This is in a risky situation. Who would you want on your side? So. Grandma. Probably grandma, yeah. <laughs> probably oh, grandma, grandma, then grandpa. No, okay. no, I, I might say, well. Grandma, then Grandma, Dale. Dale. Grandpa, Coulter. Yeah. Yeah, I think Coulter's at the bottom. <laughs> Just so we don't get any more hate from that. Also, Dale Coulter's fan. like the oldest. Okay, I feel like Dale can do stuff. He like, can. He can totally he's do more stuff. able-bodied than you know. Like, but oh, I feel I'm like in this book he tackled that dark Sader right know. out of the cart. So are we gonna put him above Dugan then? <laughs> Dugan helped them. He does get more through. physically. He does more physically. We haven't seen Dugan do much, honestly. We haven't seen Dale do much. But he does all the chores and stuff. I guess Dugan runs Hugo a does the hardest s- chores. I don't know. Dugan runs a quarter of a. It's it's comparing a side character to another side character, and neither side character does much, so it's hard. Now I'll give Dugan the benefit of the doubt and say there's a reason he's a lieutenant, and the reason Fair that Dale's enough. a assistant caretaker. What's the reason that Dale doesn't join the knights at all? Okay. Okay. Yeah. As a knight. We'll put Dugan above Dale, and I feel like Grandma is more capable in some ways than Dale. Also, quicker wit. 
She's just funny. <laughs> like if she's I'm gonna die, her. at least I'm gonna die laughing with her. She she's a leader. Dale's more of a follower. So yeah. Okay, okay. We have our so then, we have our tier. So then Dale, then Grandpa, then, then Coulter. Okay. Okay. Now, where would you put Kendra and if you were if, if you oh, were to put if, Kendra and Seth into this tier list, where would they where fit? Where would for they you? fit? Um I would put them at least above Dale in them, I think. I think I'd put Seth higher than Kendra. I think so, too. Just because in a risky situation. Yeah, Seth's more likely to do stuff mm-hmm. than Kendra is. And, like, Kendra... She has is, the powers, she, but... She is reactory, whereas yeah. Seth is action. That's I would put Seth... Before or after Dugan, <laughs> I think, is kind of where he might land. I think right after Dugan, right, right before after, Grandma. Before Grandma, that's what I was thinking, too. I think I'd put Kendra... Kendra after Grandma? After Grandma. Okay. I think Maybe I agree with after you. Dale. After Dale? She just doesn't do I don't know, much. but I feel like her abilities, she has a lot of potential to do other things. She does, but she never Like, does she it. can... I know, that's what your pet peeve is. This is my 100% <laughs> my pet peeve. But, like, also, Kendra's the one that, like, saves the day most of the time. So are we, like, undervaluing She's, that? No, she saves the day. She's good at getting help. <laughs> no, know, she's... Doing help. <laughs> she is a very, very good support character. She's the main character. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, in a fight, she is the healer. She is the, the, she is the one who gives all the other characters the buffs. Does that make sense? I'm trying not to say spoilers here. <laughs> I'm just trying so oh, hard. Like, even, like, her, her character itself, like, she is able to energize objects. I, yeah, I get what you mean. Her powers are not directly, like... They're not combat They're not offensive. They're very much more defensive. They're more defensive. I think Kendra is, in of herself, like, a defensive person. Oh, yeah, that's, like, her personality. But I feel like she does... I mean, you always need a good healer on A lot that maybe we shouldn't undervalue her. So maybe I put her under Seth. But above Grandma. Above Grandma. Mm. I feel like Seth and Kendra should be next to each other, honestly. Okay. Still putting Seth higher. (laughs) Yeah. I still do put Seth higher. <laughs> He's just, like, in a risky situation, I want the guy who knows, who th- thinks with his head, close the window, throw the salt, mm-hmm. darts out and gets the chicken. And in a couple more years, he'll be up there with Warren Patton. Yeah. But <laughs> he's still young. <laughs> and also, in a few more books, I would also put Kendra higher. But for right now... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can live with this. Okay. So, number one... Patton, Patton. Our of king. course. Our then king. Warren, then Tanu, Gavin, Lena, Dugan, Seth, Kendra, Grandma, Grandma Dale, Dale, Grandpa, Grandpa Coulter. Okay. That is our list. I think that's a fair list. I think it's a very fair list. I think it's good. I think Coulter and Grandpa could arguably get switched around a little bit, but they've both they've both mm. shown very good fortitude in, in tricky situations. I think I still take Grandpa over Coulter. Yeah. No offense, Coulter. Yeah. But, but Coulter got so much fanboying in this book. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Coulter does a fair amount in this book, and he <laughs> he gets to meet his idol. He's like, you're you're joking. But then also, even with like the rain stick, he's like, do you know? What yeah, that's true. He's like, like he gets to fanboy a bit. He got to meet Patton. He got a hold of rain stick, and he's like, this is amazing. Can we just can we just imagine Warren and Patton's reaction to meeting each other? Oh my gosh, yeah, that's true. We didn't get to we didn't see get that. Him being like, 
I'm proud of you, my <laughs> great 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 right? nephew. Like, way to keep on the family name. Like, right? He's like, like, or like, he, like, hears some of Warren's adventure, and he's like, are you just, like, me reincarnated? Like, like, oh, my gosh. Remember, do you imagine how hard that must, like, for Lena to, like, watch, like, growing, like, watching oh, Warren grow up? Oh, no, Just, like, yeah. seeing him and be, like. Seeing go off on adventures. He's like, would have loved you. Warren Burgess, like, you're, like. And, like, the one time he doesn't come home, she's, like. Guess not everybody gets to die in their beds like Patton. Gosh. Well, he does come back though. But does but she doesn't never see that. Yeah. She never sees him again. But she knows about it later because at least knowing about it is something very. And she's dead before she gets to meet him again. And as far as she knows, he's dead again. Well, you just made that a lot sadder. (laughs) I'm just saying we were robbed of their interactions. I I mean, at that point, I imagine. At that point, I imagine Patton's already kind of depressed because Lena's gone. But still, that interaction would have been golden. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you just, like, plunged a dagger into my heart. I had never thought of that before. Which part? Like, Lena uh, reacting Well, Lena talking about Lena and Warren and stuff. Like, he must have been one of her That's favorite That's so nephews. sad. It's just, it's like when you said, like, Patton talking to Warren, like, wow, you are me reincarnated, like. Lena would have actually Lena seen it. Lena would have seen it, yeah. She She's probably thinking that about Seth, too, being like, this has happened like, every generation. <laughs> <laughs> I just, my, my gene gets passed strong, down, and then dude. I come out Your again. Your gene is strong in the male. Seriously. <laughs> like, All what right. is it? Is it the Y chromosome that gets passed on to make guys? Guys? Yes. Yeah, like, that Y chromosome, it just has that <laughs> reckless trait the Burgess all the way is through. Just boom. <laughs> that reckless Burgess trait Comes is with passed. the name. And all right, that's good. We're going to make that a wrap for the <laughs> last episode talking about the chapters for book three. Like we said earlier, there is going to be a bonus episode, which we are probably going to release very soon after this one. Yeah. If not, like, back to back. Back to back? Yeah, it might be simultaneous. Yeah, that, that might. You, you guys have waited a long yeah, enough no, for we'll, it. We'll, we'll do a simultaneous. We'll just say that right now. We'll, we'll say it's a simultaneous. We'll do a simultaneous release for this episode and the bonus episode just to finish off the third book so we can get into gear to start working yeah. on book four. And remember, the bonus episode will be more spoilery. Yes. So uh, we'll have spoilers for like the rest of Fablehaven and into Dragon Watch. So yeah. that's just the warning. And we'll say it again. All right, then. But uh, that's going to be all for right now. Go, remember, go check out that bonus episode. But for now, remember, if you want to reach out, we are available uh, at our email, Podcast at gmail.com. As well, comments on YouTube, um, like, comment, subscribe. Please, 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 and thank you. We are approaching, I believe, 900 downloads on all platforms outside of YouTube. So that's not even including our YouTube down- uh, yeah. views. So that's... We're really excited really, about really that. Cool. Might not sound like a lot, but it actually kind of is a lot to us, for us. So it means a lot. We're a small podcast, yes. so we're we're excited for any of you guys that are listening. Indeed. And so, let us know if you enjoyed this. If you have any comments, because goodness, do we discuss a lot right now? Uh, yeah, and it's going to get even deeper. We're getting into the the real thick of it here with yeah. book four and five coming up. Yeah. And this was definitely a kind of a harder <laughs> book just to do because like so many recurring characters come in that are going to come in later books, and we're just like. We know things. Yeah. We can't say these <laughs> we things. We have to, like, shut our mouths to try and not be too... We're trying to be spoiler-friendly to later books, yes. so... 
I, I imagine most of you have already probably read those books, and yeah. so you're probably just, like, thinking, but oh, I'm just thinking, like, this. if someone's reading it and, like, listening, you know, yeah. and they haven't read later, I just, you know, we try to be friendly to those listeners, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. We're going to do our best to get all of those out as soon as we possibly can, but over the other than that, we're going to call it a wrap. And just to tie it off, I'm Jessica. I'm Megan. See ya. See ya.